Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 177 of the Your Podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my three special co-hosts. I am BB6969. Um, uh, that Cannon guy, I'm back. It's Cannon. He's back. It's been a while, but everything's been a fucking while here lately. 2020, there's long. While also being a week. Hello, my name is Colt. I'm back. It's been... I don't know what in the last episode I was on. It's been a while. I'm recovering from sciatica, and I haven't been able to sit in a chair. But it's nice to be back and listening to Jonathan do a Bernie impression for 30 minutes. Don't talk about it. I was wondering, did anybody have a timer on that one? W- was, that was it 30 it minutes? It felt yeah. longer. I don't know. I. <laughs> it was probably like 15 uh, minutes I, or so. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, I'm Wenzel, and I am I am Wenzel's advocate. <laughs> and uh, on today's episode, we'll be discussing a very important cinematic figure, and that's the, the much-beloved Keanu Reeves. Yes, and we'll be talking yes. about a very selected portion of his uh, filmography, part of mostly the films that folks don't really talk about, but they probably should, because they're very special films. In very special different ways. So those looking for the Matrix, I'm sorry. We're not doing the, the Matrix. John, We're not doing the John Wickeds. We're not doing not the here. Bills and Teds. These are all movies that are a little bit off the radar, or at the very least underrated, or just not talked about. And we actually were supposed to have six people today, but unfortunately our, our other guest was not able to join us today due to technical difficulties. But we still watched the movie that they, they brought to the table because each of us brought a movie to the table today, and we talked about all of them in chronological order as they were released in theaters. And t- today we'll be starting our starting our conversation off with 1992's Bram Stoker's Dracula. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, and we move on to the, to the labs who actually were in present today. Where their movies will be a bit more in depth, and just just going around the horn, who was able to watch? Prime Soaker's Dracula today. Uh, I didn't watch it for the the podcast, but I've seen it before. Okay, so what this what this is for those who haven't seen it is a retelling of Bram Soaker's Dracula, clearly, in a very experimental way. It's a it's a very brave way to reinterpreting the story. Yeah, it's, it's simultaneously one of the most accurate portrayals of the story in film, but also one of the most wildly divergent. Yeah, because the little things it does different from the source material uh, is to, like, the main characters, and, you know, that dra- even the like, tiniest little changes can greatly affect how someone's performance or how it's written or whatever. So, um, with this movie, personally, I really enjoyed it because... Francis Ford Coppola is the director for for this film, and he just went balls to the wall in terms of his directing because whatever weird idea came to his head, he put it out there in that screen. He did not give a goddamn. Or every idea like the intern came up with, he was like, you know, that sounds like a good idea. Nothing was said no to in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, I, I think Apocalypse Now, the filming of that movie, broke him, and he's never been the same. I mean, he you recorded, uh, I don't know, was uh, uh, Apocalypse Now after Godfather 2? Yes. Okay. They're really close in release windows, I think. 
Godfather 2 is 74, and Apocalypse Now is 78 or 79. What the fuck? I thought Godfather 2 was late 70s. Okay. Uh, but uh, you get to see Keanu Reeves' nipple get sucked until it gets blood out. <laughs> that you do. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I made an interesting choice of watching this first thing this morning, and I really had to fight to keep from yelling at several different points to keep from waking up the house. Because, like, the movie starts off with Keanu Reeves as a up-and-coming banker who's sort of being put in charge of working with the finances of the very eccentric Count Dracula, and he's sent across the uh, the pond to Count Dracula's castle in Transylvania, and it's it's an, a phantasmagoric film, because it's just completely off the rails. Did you see that the intro is um, Gary Oldman as, Dra- as the warrior Dracula, the Vlad the Impaler, and so he's fighting off the, the Turkish army, and then through subterfuge, his um, his beloved wife, Elisabetta, is convinced of his death in war, and she commits suicide out of um, desperation. And when he returns, he finds his beloved wife dead, and it just and in a rage against the heaven, he um, denounces God in the most outrageous way. He takes his sword, plunges it deep into the stone crucifix of the altar, which just immediately starts gushing blood, and which upon he sups and becomes a creature of the night known as Dracula. <laughs> oh my god, I haven't seen this. The intro is... I have not seen this, no. The intro is absolutely amazing. I love this intro so, so much. The armor that he's wearing in this is one of my favorite sets of armor that I've ever seen. It's It looks like muscle. and It would be terrible at probably defense because it's covered in grooves. And you want the blades to bounce off of you, but that doesn't matter. It looks badass. Well, well. Yeah, I will agree with uh, that. Because he's covered head to foot this segment of armor that looks like a flayed man, looks like musculature, and he has like this helmet that's kind of draconic in a it way. It looks like a like a bat, like a rabbit, kind of, with like the ears. Yeah. It's like, like a muzzle and pointed ears. Like it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a rather iconic. Like look of armor because there's a lot of there's a lot in this film in terms of visuals. Well, that are very. Well, I was. I did. T- sorry, I take it back. The um, they actually look like horns. I, I didn't think about it, but for a second, you know, it, it makes sense. He looks like a his armor makes him look like a demon because he's technically um you know a a devil or a demon because he's a vampire or whatever. I was wondering because you said bat. No, you said like bat and rabbit. I was like, those are two very conflicting ideals. I was, what does sorry, it look I was just like? thinking of terms of like pointed, straight up ears. Yeah. So uh, I guess it'd be more close to a rabbit, but they look like horns. It's pretty. It's pretty dope. Pretty sick ass armor. Um, there's a there's a there's a remake of the Dracula movie with Luke Evans in it, and the and they like the armor looks cool in that one, but it's like it's like um, I don't know. It just looks dumber. Is it, are, are you talking about the Dracula Untold movie? Yeah, yeah. Was that a di- different one? Yeah. The one of the unofficial starts for the Dark Universe cinematic universe. Oh, that is actually pretty sick. It's really good. It just showed me the armor. And just to say, like, this movie goes so hard at the beginning. Like, it's just crazy whip-ass bullshit. Because they send Keanu Reeves, who's 
trying very hard to emulate a British accent. Oh, Ooh, more <laughs> accents, eh? <laughs> I mean, God bless him. He really does try. Yeah. He, uh, and, and then you got Gary Oldman, come, you know, comes downstairs as Dracula. And, and it's iconic for all the wrong reasons. Because he looks like he would be named uh, Ethel and in a nursing home. <laughs> because, like, uh, and when you first see Gary Oldman as Dracula, he has, like, this, I would say, like, Emperor Palpatine level of, like, makeup on. Yeah, he has a raisin face. And he has, like, this this odd sort of heart-shaped hairpiece with a long, with a absurdly long red gown. Sort of now that I think him. about it, I think that's the only part of that movie I remember. I mean, like, I'm sure you've seen I've it. I've seen what, yep, like a weird uh, Palpatine with um, Leia hair this for guy, some reason. Like, oh, I have boobs on my head? That's some little Nicky shit right like there. A little butt on his head. He's got these long, um, these long spindly fingers. Ugh, fuck that. And, and, and a movie that's filled with like really strong practical effects, one of the weaker parts are like his old man fingers. We can clearly see little fake fingertips attached to his own fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Other than, like, there, there's only a few, like, missteps in terms of practical effects. Because the whole movie is just, like, filled with practical effects and in-camera tricks as, like, this big homage, like, all these old and, and even contemporary um, horror films. Because, like, there's not there's not any CGI in it. And this is in the early 90s, so that still would have been feasible. But, like, for me, the movie is just a feast for the eyes. Yeah, like, while I'm not a huge fan of the movie personally, I will never, ever uh, shit on the, the production design, the set design. Everything is meticulously designed in a very aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing way. Yeah, uh, like, and it's also kind of part, it's still the beginning of the movie, but when uh, Keanu is getting to Dracula's mansion... The whole like carriage ride there, it was just screaming bloodborne energy. Uh yes. it's fuck I loved it so much and it just made me want to uh become a wolf and run through the woods. Anybody else want to do that? Dude. Anybody else feel dude, like that? I have been saying since fucking middle school I would want to be a werewolf over a fucking vampire. I'm with you there, 100%, because well, I would still be able to go out in the sun. Exactly. And, like, the only yeah. thing that can kill you is a silver bullet. Like, okay, how many of you fuckers have silver bullets? None of you, dumb bitches. So, and like, plus, werewolves don't crave, like, blood or anything, really. Yeah. They just, like, eating people. But, but, yeah. but like, that depends, though. It's, Purple like, people, what yeah. kind of werewolf are we talking? Because, like, if we're talking, like, like I, I think that, like, I'm thinking in terms of fucking um, Wolf Among Us werewolf. Like you have complete. Oh yeah, we're, we have complete control over our bodies. You know, I don't even know if the transformation would hurt, but I don't give a shit. I have super strength, super senses. I can run really fast. Yeah, I'll take werewolf over vampire. Can't go out in the sun. Can be destroyed by quote holy objects unquote maybe. Um, you know, has to drink blood. You know, bullshit. No. Yeah, we are ourselves a fucking nerd in the chat. Am I right, boys? Yeah, fuck you. Okay, but you know, I would be worried though if I couldn't eat chocolate. That would suck. Ah, chocolate's <laughs> overrated. Yeah, <laughs> but, but 
Yeah, I mean, I think I. Uh, but honestly, I'm with you. I think I. I don't know. I think I could give up chocolate. I could give it up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's fruit. Fruit candy is where it's at. Or caramel. Caramel opinion. isn't chocolate. Caramel also fucking rules too. I was about to say, a life without caramel just just kill me now. I'm with you. Our, our candy dish upstairs for Halloween is just is 99% caramel. <laughs> it's just candy. been like regenerating caramel candies <laughs> for a few days. Now. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, but to Wenzel's point about sort of like the mythology of like werewolves and vampires, like that's kind of given a little turn in its head with Dracula because Dracula is able to go out in the sun and. But he's sort of he's depowered. But I guess by depowered, he just turns back into regular Gary Oldman with like Ozzy Osbourne sunglasses. But he still has like a a lot of really sort of varied powers. And what they play with in the movie is how he doesn't really seem to have one set form because he he really is a shapeshifter and it just and all his different like physical forms he takes over the movie is really interesting. Like he goes from being the emperor. And Emperor Palpatine in the start of the movie gets uh, young Gary Oldman, becomes a, a fucking cool bat monster and a werewolf. Whoa. And like yeah, ends but, weird green gas too. But I have a, a question. You said like he changes to somebody else in the in the daytime. Is this like some sort of like Jekyll and Hyde situation? No, no he, he's still Dracula. It's just when he goes to it's just America. Like or Nor- Peter Parker Dracula is what you're saying. Yeah, this would be his... Um, <laughs> like, his card form, I guess you can say. This is his handsome, regal, princely form that he woos yeah. the women of the... Uh, like Clark Kent I mean, Dracula. Well, that, this is... Yeah, got like, it. Like, <laughs> you go I was just cool. going to say, this reminds me of Nosferatu, because I watched Nosferatu recently, and the fucker was going out in daylight like it was nobody's business. <laughs> this Yeah, yeah and... and <laughs> oh, no, sorry. no, no, I was just going to say, you know, ugly fucker. <laughs> yeah, um... Uh, I've read the source material before for for English class, and, and all like besides the whole like him turning into young hot Gary Oldman who's going to fuck Winona Ryder. <laughs> before you know the Gary Oldman who fucks. Besides that, all those fucking powers are in the original book. Like he just turns into wolf. He can like. Tra- teleport through gas. I don't. Yeah, know yeah, no, no. That. The um, the mythology of vampires is really fucking weird because they have like multiple different powers. Like, um, like it's like Cartman in that episode of uh, South Park <laughs> where it's the anime episode, and they're like, "We didn't know you had that power." I'm a man of many powers. Yeah, yeah. No, I. <laughs> um, it was like it's so weird, and um. And also, I think that's also kind of cool too when you think about like vampires all over the, like the world, like of how they're um, of like, well, now it's what's considered a vampire, but like certain creatures in different like uh, cultures, mythologies are like can be classified as vampires. That kind of adds to the mythos as well. Also, I should recommend check out American yeah. Vampire, really good comic book. And if that was the kind of vampire bullshit we were dealing with, I would might be a vampire then. Yeah, I, I like. It's similar to sort of like regional Bigfoot myths, like because the the core of the I- of the idea is the same, but it's there's just like little small differences exactly. that but that exist from region to region. Yeah, like how there's a horny Bigfoot in Arkansas, but there's one that will kill you 
in like Maine, and and one sexy one. I, I love the I love the name of the Alabama one. Yeah, our, our regional Bigfoot variant has an amazing name. And what is that name? The White Thang. Oh, that's bet. That's Not Kakashi. Thang. No Thang, like thong, but with an A. Oh, that's, oh not cool. that's not cool at all. It's like. And 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 we're not exaggerating. It's not white thing. It is white thing. Like whatever, whatever they write it out is T H A N G. Wait, is that not just some guy down the street? White thing. I'm a white thing. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say. It's like, aren't four of you in this group right now white things? Why? Why'd you say it like that? Got a point. Why did you say white it like things? That, That's what you are. Stop white, it. There's like, white things. There's like a Bigfoot from Alabama, and my dad hasn't talked about this. What the F? He's supposed to be the expert. <laughs> but that's a whole other show. He's right? probably yeah, protecting we'll, you from the white thing. Yeah, we'll have to get at the, the canon's uh, trauma of his father being a, a uh, roving Bigfoot hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and you think we're joking. We're not. Uh, it sounds like we're just ripping off Yeti. Like... I mean, honestly, yeah. yeah. I like the stink ape. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. No, no, my bad. The skunk ape, or or it's well, it's colloquially known as the pee pee poo poo baby. Yeah. <laughs> Where's our skunk ape movie? <laughs> I, I need I need stinky boy, please. <laughs> All right, so what l- l- let's let's swerve this. Back on track, talk about one of the powers that the vampire has. He was luring a woman to this garden area where he has sex with her, and then he. I say, I don't understand what was going on there, but whenever Winona Ryder comes out and looks at him, he says, Do not see! And then he disappears. (laughs) Yeah, because he has powers of like hypnotism and mind control. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, it's just so weird when you see Dracula on his on his boat ride over to England in like a box of dirt because because he's so far away from Christmas Tower he had to carry around like dirt from his homeland to like keep his batteries charged. But but, but when you see him in his little like wooden crate, he's like he's like wiggling around in this amniotic sac as he's morphing into the werewolf and he's just like killing folks in the boat. <laughs> So like Wenzel's like like Colt said he runs off and then um because uh, Winona Ryder is Keanu Reeves's fiance his betrothed and she's li- hanging out with her best friend also a rich girl Lucy and Lucy kind of gets trapped up in Dracula's uh, throes as well but their first contact is just him them just fucking in the garden and he's a wolf man <laughs> and this movie is so horny. Fucking Coppola, he had his hand on the dial, and he's like, dare me to do it. And, and they're just like, don't do it. Coppola, don't no, do it. don't do it. We're not daring. You dare me to do it? Yes. Fucking do it. And then he just cranks it to fucking 11. Because Keanu Reeves gets trapped into the, in a sex pit dungeon pillow bar with the dries of Dracula. They're sucking his tits till the blood squirts out. And, and then they walk back in footage that's clearly been reversed, and it looks really bad. And then, oh, and then, so there's a lot of weird sexual pining because Lucy, she, she's flirting between three guys, and then, but uh, then Dracula gets his his psychic nails into her, and then uh, he turns her into a vampire, and 
Vampire Lucy has a really cool design. Like her, she has throughout the movie, she has like these reptile motifs. Like, like she has like a lizard, like a snake print on her dress, and when she turns into her funerary wedding gown, it's like a frilled lizard. It, it, it's it, there's like some big brain like costume design in this movie too. Is it bad that I'm kind of hating that I didn't watch this movie now? It's worth a watch. It, it, it sounds fucking banana sandwich. You know, and I'm but, about- but it's only like really banana sandwich for like the first like 15 minutes. And then it kind of mellows out relatively. Okay. Yeah, because th- that is one thing about the movie. Is that I, think it's, I think it's still really good. But when the movie sort of like settles down into like this, per- like this love story between Dracula and Winona Ryder's character, who is the reincarnation of his dead wife, and sort of like, and he's sort of like slowly winning her over through his like powers of suggestion, and like the past life that that's living inside of her somehow. And Keanu Reeves is just locked in an ivory tower for most of the, for like a half the movie essentially, oh. and that that is one of the big criticisms people have from the original material and just in general that. The love story weighs down the film. Yeah, yeah, because it wasn't in in the original source material. That the whole reincarnation bullshit that that was added in, and I think it really you know I hampers. The uh, movie. I've been holding back, but I didn't think about it. That I was like, you know what? I don't want to spoil Nosferatu for anything. But fuck me, I forget Nosferatu is just uh literally it's literally Dracula just renamed. And when you guys started talking, I was like, shit. <laughs> That's Nosferatu because the the scene because you guys said that he killed a ton of people in a boat, right? Yeah, that literally yeah. happens in Nosferatu. I remember watching that. And I was like, this would be such good shit if you could bring this into the modern day. I would love love to see the Nosferatu like design touched up with like what I've like what oh, I've yeah. seen with like on the poster for the jug with Doug Jones in it. And like literally have him going ham and slaughtering a bunch of sl- sailors. That would be so sick. And yeah, the and Robert Eggers was supposed to be attached to a Nosferatu remake, but I think it's dead in the water. Uh, we don't we don't know. Um, and um, the level of horniness in Nosferatu. I've talked about this. Was that Nosferatu um, sucked on the um. Who uh, the main guy, whoever plays him in the movie, and also Keanu Reeves plays the same character. He sucks on his thumb, uh, but I like to say he sucks on his toes. Horny. He does like to say he brings it up a lot. Isn't there a Nosferatu show happening on AMC right now, or something along? Uh, yeah. You're thinking of what we do in the shadows? No, 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 no. no there's like... a there's a show that um I I remember it because it's based off a book, and I've seen the front cover. It's like a license plate that says Nosferatu on it, but it's. Oh, yeah. it's a comedy? No, it's a horror. No. No, it, it's those no, it's 4A2, because it has Zachary Quinto. Yeah, yeah. I think it's on Shudder, too. I haven't okay. watched it, but huh. just on that vampire track. But it, the movie is but but well, I don't know what to say, because the, the biggest thing I love about it is just how unrepentantly self-indulgent the movie is. Oh yeah, because Francis Ford Coppola is—he's on his bullshit one hundred percent in this movie. He doesn't give a damn what makes sense, what's in good conscience. He just puts whatever he wants into it. And honestly, the actors go to Saint go just as hard because Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins as Doctor Abraham and Helsing—they're just having like 
a handoff between the two of them. Just who who can chew the scenery the most? I keep forgetting that he's in that movie. Mm-hmm. Because Anthony Hopkins is Van Helsing, and how he kind of volleys between being like, you know, what we know of Anthony Hopkins, like, I'm the wise and old man who tells you everything, and just being insane. And also, the motherfucker teleports. Van Helsing? Yeah, but the bitch teleports. And it's never mentioned again uh... after it happens. Because, like, all, when, when, like, all the suitors are trying to figure out what's wrong with Lucy, she's going, she's turning into a vampire. Why is this? Why is she acting so spooky? And, and Helgen's like, yep, you got a vamp problem. And it's like, that's crazy as they're talking about something. They turn back, the motherfucker's 50 feet away to gravestone. Just it's like, no fart. I, maybe no he's fart a Dracula as well, because Dracula can teleport. I don't know. Who knows? The anti Nosferatu. And, and then. We don't give we don't want to give away everything, but there, there's a lot of really good content like what the, how they re- rectify Lucy's vampire problem and sort of the big chase sequence on the way back to Dracula's castle. The, the, my why one criticism with the movie outside of it being kind of a little slumpy in the middle is that Dracula's castle essentially looks like him sitting on a throne. <laughs> huh. Yeah, and I was. And I was sad that I, I was thinking the whole time, please God, if this fucking castle gets up and starts fucking with people, I'm out. Like, it's going to be amazing. Uh, it didn't happen, though. Like the Power Rangers show up to fight it? Like, he, like his would... fucking castle just megazords into giant Dracula and he starts trying to smash them. That'd be like, the greatest shit that ever. Would be that would be so cool. 10 out of 10. You know, okay, hear me out. Here's a pitch. I'm mad Here's now. a pitch idea. That would be cool if Dracula put, like, magic symbols all over his castle and stuff, and that someday, maybe some crazy fucking experiment or project, the symbols activate and cause the castle to transform into a giant stone golem. Like, that would be Stone Colossus, actually. It'd be a fucking... It'd be Dracula's Colossus. That'd be cool as shit. Don't steal my idea, Hollywood. Copyright, copyright. TM, TM, TM. Also a Gundam. yeah, Gundam. I I forgot to mention that this is one of the two movies on our list that has a several video games and a trading card game and a comic book illustrated by Mike Mignola. Oh, okay. So, so it was really weird watching the Sega CD version of this game, where it's essentially just Keanu Reeves lookalike, just high kicking a Dracula in the head as he tries to wave raise a force field. <laughs> it's just really like wonky action platformer. It's a hoot. So, Dracula is... It's, it's, a, it's a buckwild movie. It's absolutely insane. And it, and I think it's worth checking out. Of, of the folks that did watch it, would you recommend this movie? Yes, and uh, like, holy shit, this movie's buttfucked sort of way. Uh, yeah. I'd say give it a watch. It's a very fun movie. If... Uh, if you're interested in Dracula in any way, give it a check. And, and if you're horny for blood, there's a lot of that in there, too. Yeah, there is. Yeah, and, and the blood is a symbol for semen. Talked about that in college. That was awkward. <laughs> My paper is about how blood is the symbolism for cum. For, for, for <laughs> it's in your notes, for real. <laughs> yeah, and splooging and breaking the hymen. So, th- so this is actually Justin's pick, and... Um, 
one day we'll have to, we'll have to come on and give his little spiel about it because he gave, he probably gave this a high rating than all of us. So I'm very interested to hear his opinion one day in the show. But fortune ahead, we move on to my pick, which is 1995's Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah. <laughs> which is a um, a cyberpunk film starring Keanu Reeves as what is called as a mental courier. Basically, he's he's a man who ferries uh, high value d- data in his head through a neural implant to high paying customers. And unfortunately, uh, on this one last job, he gets a file that's so incredibly valuable and dangerous that he not only has the the goons of a giant pharmaceutical company and the yakuza on his yakuza on his tail, but also if he doesn't offload his information within twenty four hours, it will overload his neural implant and it will kill him. Now, who who here was able to watch Johnny Mnemonic? Me. This guy with you That's right. today. Me. So, um, if you thought Dracula was Buck Wild, <laughs> this is the is pinnacle of Buck insane. Wild of w- everything today. Yeah, um, it's a it's a little yikes on how many things that were shown in this movie that are in parallel to what the fuck's going on outside right now. Yeah, it, it's, it's strangely prophetic because. It, in the movie, the world is ruled by corporations who have overextended their grasps. There is a worldwide plague that's uh, stricken the world. There's a scene where there's, there's giant protests in China. Yeah, masks everywhere, police and fucking riot gear. So, like... I mean... I even saw Infowars. There was that little um thing at the beginning of the movie. I saw Infowars. I was like, oh, no. Oh, fuck. 2021, the internet... Like, yeah, yeah, it looks like ass. Because, because <laughs> the movie takes place in the far off distant year of 2021. Oh yeah, shit! Oh, God, that is mm, we're not gonna make it. It's not looking good. <laughs> so apparently, there's, there's going to be a big software crash in the next year. This where, where everything just goes to shit. Because like, because you've seen a 1995 like, oh, this is this is our big technological showcase let's see all our crazy cg with all the internet bippity bops flying around and it's just the, the movie has a lot in common with the lawnmower man if anybody knows that yeah man. yeah i didn't even think about that you're right on that one especially at one point towards the end where it pretty much turns into the lawnmower man oh jesus i actually took a fuckload of notes here now that i'm looking back jesus christ the one thing that i thought was hilarious like his brain, he has a little section that's essentially a fucking hard drive. Yeah. And he has enough memory that can that is the equivalent of the um fat PlayStation three. Yeah, because And then but then when he upgrades his hard drive to one sixty, which is a PS three slim, and then hold on to your um underwears because we know when you have hundred and sixty gigs of of hard drive space, the first thing you do is try to Squeeze extra in there at 320 gigabytes. Yeah, now I can download Warzone. A- <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Only mm-hmm. then, though. Thanks, Call of Duty. Oh man, because I don't. I don't want to talk about Call of Duty right it, now. It, it's just funny how the movie flaunts like, oh, he's got 160 gigs in his head of storage data, which is a flash drive which now. is nothing yeah. today and it, but literally it would have been like a brick one of the on a suitcase back in the day 
one of the biggest crimes that this movie commits is it does the classic 80s, 90s uh, tech talk where they just throw random tech terms in a string and they said, this is going to work. No one knows what any of this yeah. means. Um, oh, just like the techno babble. Yeah. yeah. It it was funny because like 320 was literally double uh, the amount of space. But like the brain, I think... Uh, can hold a little more than that. I don't. I don't know. Infinite? No, not infinite. There's actually um. There's an actual number of amount of information a brain the brain can hold. Um, like it's. A, I don't it, know about you, but I remember everything ever. So. Well, that's not true. That's not about. true because you literally you literally confessed to us that you can remember what everybody else says, but you can't remember what you said. So boom. What are you talking about? I've never said that. I remember that I've never said that. <laughs> Motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. I know. Where are I, your receipts, Wenzel? I know. I said I didn't want to talk about Call of Duty, but I forgot I had this in my notes. Data transfers in 2021 look as painful as modern warfare updates. Yeah, which is very true. But anyway, I wish Johnny Mononic, mnemonic, Johnny. I wish it was more sci-fi than what it was. No, that's not true. It was it was a blast, oh. I think. It was very oh, sci-fi. So sci-fi, I think it gave my head a brain pert. A brain blast. It gave it a brain fucking finger blast from hell. It was by the time it Squirt was over, everywhere. I wanted it to be over really bad. Like your fucking bed is just like soaked. I mean, I will say when it did end, it did just just fucking poof. It it definitely <laughs> ended. That was a weird one, but I'm just pissed. You have you have less than a year to give me goddamn laser piano wire, okay? Because that was fucking that rad. Was cool. Yeah, because are you kidding of, me? Because one of the yakuza who's kind of like hot on Johnny's tail has this like thumb implement with a long nail. When he pulls the nail off, it has this this, this energy laser wire that cuts through anything. So like, because when he's First, run into Johnny downloading the big secret file he has to get to the free city of Newark, New Jersey. He's like, he's just slicing up all the all the guys in the room, all the statues. Like he just zipped, just like a hot knife through butter. It's really well done too. Uh, whatever effect yeah. they used, it's pretty sick for a movie that has CG that has not aged well. I don't think it aged well even out of the nineties. <laughs> The, the the laser wire effect is still very solid. Yeah. Also, the dolphin. <laughs> yeah. Cyber dolphins. When, okay. <laughs> okay. When I saw that, that's when I was like, "This movie." I, I, it. I was like, "Okay, <laughs> no, hold on." I was. I'm trying to think. At first, whenever we got uh, Dolph Lawgren, I was like, "This movie can't get any crazier." Oh, and man. it yeah. it it did it got crazier. There is a fucking dolphin that is apparently uh, a super hacker that can hack into mainframes and shit. Uh, that's how it helps uh, distribute um, information and stuff to the people for the low techs. And the low techs, in case you're wondering, they are the the low tech, you know, but spelled normally. Uh, re- resistance groups that's fighting the giant pharmaceutical companies that are controlling the world, led by Ice T. Yeah, and his anarchy symbol tattoo on his forehead. Yep. 
And going back to the Dolphin for just a bit, there's literally nothing that could have anticipated or prepared you for the fact that the secret weapon of the Resistance is a fucking telepathic cyborg dolphin that is addicted to drugs and once worked for the Navy because they got him addicted so they would he would continue to work for him for drugs. <laughs> what? Wait, yeah. I watched this movie and I, I don't even remember that. that. What? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, because when I did my research in the on the film, there's a lot in the movie that's either not explained or it's in the Japanese cut of the film because there's two versions. One one version is the American version. The other is the extended version for for Japan. There's like at least seven extra minutes of like content, and there's literally a scene of like Ice T blowing up a syringe and pumping it into the dolphin <laughs> so he could get his get his vibe back and he can feel like he's swimming again. Get his Jesus. fix. And H. like Murphy. it's 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 literally insane and. And the, I described the movie as late '80s cheese in a mid '90s rapper. I mean, and also it's a lot mm-hmm. like cheese in that it's um, has enough holes in its plot to be considered Swiss cheese. Because the, the fact that the plot <laughs> is even held together at all is a is a miracle on its own. Yeah, because nothing really makes sense. Yeah. Like one of one of my favorite moments while we were watching is you and I realizing it was Henry Rollins and we both screamed Henry Rollins. Because, <laughs> that, that's a weird <laughs> choice because Henry Rollins is like his name is Spider and like he's this underground scientist and doctor that's somehow conveniently working or has a connection with the resistance is working with the people that's trying to break down the cure to the virus that's taking over the world. And has a voice, has like an end with the the bodyguard girl that Keanu Reeves hired to help him and to get his information to where it needs to go. And so he's just very convenient to the plot. But strangely enough, he has one of the better performances in the film. Yeah, yeah. he was really good. I, I would agree with that. Um, also, they didn't cover up his black flag tattoo. It's of still, course not. It's still completely visible. I felt like they didn't like cover up any of his tattoos. I, well, I figured on his did, arms, at least. I didn't. I figured they would, they would cover up like a tattoo that that wouldn't make sense in the world of the setting. But you know, they just didn't. No, I, the, also, I don't know if anybody else caught this. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off there. But um, um, when Ice T's character is introduced, he says this line. It goes, "We're even. I don't owe you shit." And then Johnny Mnemonic immediately asks, who are you? <laughs> I don't know why it was just like, it's like, we're even. I was like, how can we be even? Well, I never, I never, I never did. I never asked a favor of you or whatever. I, I don't know you. <laughs> how are we even? Because I see, or as he's done in the film, J-Bone, uh, it just happens to be in the right place at the right time as, as Keanu is trying to get away from the Yakuza goons that are trying to cut his head off take his, cut his head out, which is another plot point that doesn't quite make sense, because, you know, as we said before, if he doesn't get his information to the right place within 24 hours, he'll die, because his neural interface will overload, because it's over capacity. But the, the pharmaceutical company doesn't want the information getting out, because it's, it's actually the cure to the virus that they're trying to make milk people for money for. But I'm just like, 
why do you need to cut off his head if you could just literally just wait and he'll die on his own? Or just uh-huh. shoot him. Yeah, well, I didn't even think about well, that. Well, no, it said um it said that if he dies on his own, because what happens is that the data seepage will corrupt it. Oh and like yeah. it will like if he dies on his own and like it's because of data seepage and what blah 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 whatever, then it'll corrupt the data. But if they get to him right then and there, cut off his head and preserve him and stop any more data from seeping out from being not being corrupted, then it'll be fine. I I I understand this plot more than anything in my life. <laughs> Y'all, my eyes just glazed over like I'm trying to read Dune lore. Yeah. Also, I don't understand virtual uh, VR hand puppets. <laughs> yeah, because- that part uh, took. I know this movie is already like bonkers, but that one part, I was just like, "Come the fuck Wait- on." You can't even, like, use a face scan for that shit? That was... Okay, that's true, but that was fucking cool. <laughs> oh, man. It, like... It, it was so funny because... The, I Because the bit is because Johnny Mnemonic, like, calls up the big pharmaceutical company that is, that who the data was stolen from. It's like, hey, I got your data. Come get it out of my head. And they're like, sure. It's just like this white business guy. But Swerve is actually a decoy for the Yakuza guy who's... Who's... Uh, Leader of this Japanese gang that's based out of China. That's also the regional manager for assistant this, to the regional manager for this um, giant pharmaceutical company. So he has like this. He literally does a hand puppet yeah, motion over I'm, a little light grid that, as he's talking, somehow puts out the words and the lip flap of this virtual decoy. Yeah, that took me out a little bit. That took you out. I mean, yeah, I'll I'll say it. That I mean, a few things did, but that one alone, I was like, well, well you're just flapping your fucking hands I'll, like a literal hand puppet. And the, I did, however, thought it was funny that when he stopped, like, the character on the screen just like, like kind of passes out. The dude just yeah, over. yeah, exactly. I think, uh, I don't know, I, I think it's like, I don't know what the, I, I thought that was cool, stupid, but cool. Uh, something I should say though, they're not. They didn't say they were based in China. They said they were based in Newark. Well, no, because like when they when they when they when he goes to China, like that's immediately where the uh, the Yakuza jump out of. I guess I guess you can say like, oh, the Yakuza are so powerful that they're just this worldwide yeah. now. But it it it, it just seemed a little weird when they're like kind of mixing Asian cultures into like this big weird melting pot. Yeah, that, but I'm glad the leaders beat Takeshi. I love that man. Yeah, the f- famous Japanese uh, Japanese actor beat Takeshi is the Yakuza leader, and he's known probably more locally to the to the states as Vic Romano and the English dub of MXC because uh, Beat Takeshi created Takeshi's Castle, which is the Japanese game show that MXC is based off of. Ah. Yeah, well, I watched the first couple episodes of that the other day. Kind of holds up. It's oh, pretty okay. funny. That'd be fun to go back and explore. After the podcast. After the podcast. And uh, we haven't mentioned yet, Dolph Lundgren is a cyborg priest assassin. Jesus time. Jesus time. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. I, oh, my oh. God. The Spider-Man 2 pizza time meme is no more. How come we've had this gold for years before that and nobody's used it? Just, hi, it's time. Jesus time. Andy. Just no high. Just somebody pops up in front of you. Jesus time, and then tries to kill you. It's the greatest movie it's ever. So made. weird because it's coming from Dolph, and <laughs> it's all it's per- it's perfect. It's gold. The way Dolph is 
introduced to the story is he's being called and you see like he's holding a cross in front of him he's like why are you calling me do you need my services and uh, it slowly reveals that he's got the the cross is actually a knife. It's a huge and uh, that's second huge cable. That's when they're the like cool he's a the movie. bad guy. Also, he he got a phone call through a TV in his Bible. Oh that fuck! Is, that he is did, also true. He did get that? Yes. Oh my god! But you know that that cross K bar knife is just like one solid piece of metal. That that was cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not like a crucifix switchblade. It's just a crucifix with a knife at the end, at the at the bottom. Point. See, now I want a crucifix switchblade. That that just sounds that does awesome. sound awesome. Oh, it, it it's like a tiny. Ahead, it's like a tiny. Like think about it. Like where the uh, where his Jesus hands are. That's like the hilt. <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> <Yes>. cool. <laughs> yeah, man. We need to make some calls if these don't already exist. Okay. Also, something else. With arms wide open. Something else too about Dolph. Under the sunlight. His, uh, his gimmick is that he cru- uh, crucifies people. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'll show does. you everything. There's a really funny bit when um, Dolph attacks the the gang when they're at uh, Henry Rollins's like pop up medical tent to try to like figure out how to get the info out. He pops up and Henry Rollins sacrifices himself to get let Jane and um, Johnny get away and. So he starts. He goes to crucify Henry Rollins, but the, the bit is they show the same shot of him picking up the the, the scalpel. The, the, yes, the, 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 the puncture both of his hands. Yes, the exact same. There, there are a lot of bloopers. Like there's a point where Johnny runs out of bullets in a gun and he throws Just, it, and the next scene he has it back. Yeah. There, there's not a lot of continuity control in this movie. But it, it's a West, boomerang gun. Don't worry about don't it. You know. I will say, um, Keanu. 100% had a Nick Cage moment in this movie. Oh, where God, he, like his big meltdown on the Yes, yeah, like the, all my life I've been looking out for me, which how could he if like his childhood was wiped? How could he remember that? But anyway, that's besides that, the point. That's the price of getting the neural implant. You had to give up like your earliest memories. Like I was like, he was swinging for the goddamn fences on that one. And that I loved every minute of it. He's just like, <laughs> I want a sandwich. I want a $10,000 I want a club sandwich. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I oh, want a yeah, that too. I want room service. Um, cold Mexican beer. I want my shirt laundered. Like, okay. <laughs> Laund- that was the wasn't that the last one too? He was like really like he was like I want my shirts yeah. laundered, and that, then like tucks in his shirt. That's when he got he, he kind of ran himself out there. I want the two terabyte hard drive brain compartment. I, 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 thought, I thought it was funny that in the, in this world that Keanu was born in 1994. Oh it's God! Take place in 2021. What a scare! Mm. And also, I just thought it was funny that Henry Rollins totally comes off as like a conspiracy theorist in the in the movie because it's like, yeah, the, the electronic radio waves they activate the virus that's killing all the people, which is like the 4G conspiracy theory with COVID right now. It's Holy shit! You're <laughs> right, Pat. Oh my oh god, he my did. God. Okay, Spider Henry Rollins' character, this guy's character, had a total total flip out scene where he was like, "It's all this electronic shit," like pointing to all the computers and stuff. And it's like, it. it oh my god, that that's hilarious. Um, um, I didn't even catch that one. Man. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, sounds like this movie's dense. It's. 
it somehow has a lot going on, but it, it, it's it's a it's a lot like uh you know it's very pretty in the face, but nothing not going up on yeah. the stairs. Yeah. Uh, uh, another little tidbit I thought was interesting. Uh, one of the very early scenes when he pops into the room full of dudes that like draw on him, like he's in a black suit and tie, and he calls himself Mister Smith. Oh yeah. The, the movie, I, I thought I thought the movie that was, was pretty just funny. Practice for the Matrix. Yes. That's yeah. All it was. Also, the movie is is low key, kind of really similar to Elysium. Just saying. Yes. Yes. I, huh. I never got that. I, I, yeah, I remember that. I was literally thinking like, oh man, this is kind of like Elysium, and this is also kind of like the Matrix in a weird way. Um. Yeah. There. Yeah. It was. It was pretty fun. Um. I don't know. I didn't like Keanu Reeves' acting. Uh, that's something I'll say, as well. Oh yeah, the acting in this movie there's not really any good acting at all. It's not very good. Uh the action fight scenes are pretty dog shit. Uh w- one thing that just keeps popping up in my head is uh when Keanu's first getting the data put in his brain, he's in the bathroom hiding, that one guy comes up to the door and Keanu says, "Uh," he pushes him and then he's dead. Well, <laughs> he crashes through the bathroom uh Well, no, he didn't. Glass he didn't die. Play. He appeared later. Yeah, the, oh, he did. Yeah, the bald guy came back. Yeah, but still, he pushed him like uh, you tap someone on the shoulder to say, "Like, get him, go get him." That's true. He did. It was kind of dumb. I thought he died. I, I was like, I was like, oh, that's kind of stupid. But he appears later to ambush him in Newark to cut off his head, and he's like, he literally says, "We should stop meeting like this," and it's like, baldy. That's what he calls him. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of moments in the movie that are kind of written like, "Hey, this is a really cool one-liner," and like, it's just dumb. But the the strength of the movie isn't it isn't really its quality. It's just how butt fuck stupid it is. Pretty much. And like, and I gave it a two and a half, but I could be convinced to put it up to a three because like, there are, you can ask Ken. There are so many moments in this film. I'm I'm just grinning ear to ear because this movie is just balls out crazy. Yeah, it was. I I gave it the exact same score actually. That's crazy. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say it's a good movie, but it can be a fun time. I it is a definitely right a setting, fun time in the right circumstances. Like definitely, you know, take a couple of like sips of something before you watch it. It's not it's be a fun time with some alcohol, most definitely. I mean, hell, it was a fun time just watching it like normally, but still, it was it was a strange ride. Can we tell them about the fucking like swerve unswerve um fucking Dolph Lundgren part? <laughs> yeah, because there's because there's a point where after they have this big climactic battle, they beat Dolph Lundgren by in in part turning the the dolphin's echolocation um, sonic radar onto sonic a blast into just like rupturing all the cybernetic implants in Dolph Lundgren's body, and then. Keanu Reeves pushes him into electrical wire and it fries him. He burns him up to like this melty human skeleton. And then like they 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 beat the the, the big virtual ghost. They 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 beam the cure to everybody's VCRs. The world is safe. <laughs> the VCRs. I forgot. <laughs> the the farmer the pharmacy corporation is in flames. But then there's a big musical sting. You see like the body start to rise up. The head move and the the hand and the head twitch. And, and we're like, like oh, what like, the fuck? Oh, bullshit! This fucker ain't coming back. And then it was a swerve. Um, the, 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 the revolutionaries are just picking up the body and just yeeted out. Yeah. That was so fucking stupid. And it was basically credits after that. <laughs> yeah, like 
at the at, there's some point when you're like, okay, this movie is already like crazy, but why was that put in just to be like, <laughs> fuck you, audience? Like it, like it doesn't make sense, and like. Like Jane and Johnny, they're like visibly like, oh shit, like he's getting back up. But then it's like, no, it's like they're just lifting him up. And Jay and nah, Jay Bones like, throw that trash out. Like, what? <laughs> like, what was the purpose? Like, if they could have, they should have seen. You know, maybe I could believe that maybe they're visibly shaken by this burnt corpse being finally you know lifted up maybe that's what they're being shaken at but no it, the purpose of it was supposed to be like <laughs> got you he's not really alive maybe one last, one last. also the motherfucker just teleported up there there's no physical way how he would have gotten to that building at the end of that final battle the power of jesus, jesus time like, the power of christ compelled him up three floors also did you know that um val kilmer was going to be in this movie why wasn't he? Now I'm super pissed. Who is he supposed to play? Uh, I don't. I don't know who he's supposed to play, but he was going. He was like set to be in the movie, but he was. He left to work on Batman Forever. Good choice. But <laughs> in, we, in, we, instead of Dolph Lundgren, we could have had U2's very own Bono as to <laughs> fuck creature. off. No. He was almost. That's not real. That is. That That's a, not that real. Almost happened. I don't. Oh my. Also. Mm. Also, this movie, this role was so good, was so perfect for Dolph Lundgren. He didn't need to act in movies for another fifteen years until The Expendables. No, wow, that was his last movie until The Expendables. Yep, that's Holy insane. Shit, <laughs> fucking hell. So, uh, yeah, this movie is crazy. Uh, very much worth your time if you're if you're into really cheesy, pulpy. Bonkers movies. Yeah, you know, you know how like it was supposed to be Will Smith instead of Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. Sometimes yeah. I actually imagine how that movie would play out if he played it. Now the whole um, Bono into Jesus Time Man moment, not so much. I don't want to imagine that movie at all. In fact, I would like to that forget would it already, and yeah. I haven't seen it. There's no AU where you would appear into. No, no, but canon. No, no, Jesus Time. No. Well, yeah, it is Jesus time. <laughs> Instead of flamingo time, it's now Jesus time. All right, well. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Well, moving on to, the, to our next film, we have 1997's The Devil's Advocate. This oh, was, shit. And this was uh, the movie that Ken had pitched for this for the uh, episode. First, just to tell us why do you pick this film and then sort of lead us into the conversation. All right, The Devil's Advocate. I have seen this movie many, many times. Um, my earliest memory with it is probably, um, you know, I think Stars, maybe? Because, you know, like back with Satellite, you'll have, like, you know, Stars East and Stars West. Like, they would play the same block of movies, like, in a month or whatever and just keep a certain one rolling all the time. And I remember The Devil's Advocate being on pretty much on repeat. And, uh... I just, I've always loved this movie, and I was excited to be able to talk about it in some form or fashion, because, oh, and number one, speaking of accents, Keanu Reeves uh, doing a, a southern accent. I got country Keanu written tippy-top on my notes right now. <laughs> because uh, Keanu is from Gainesville, Florida. The most southern Spoiler place, apparently. It is. Gainesville Spoiler alert, southern. this is not the last time he's going to use that southern accent. Oh, no! But, um... He comes from the dick end of Florida. 
Yeah, uh, I've I've always thought this was a really like well done movie, especially how things progress. Like you see how. Wait a minute, who's seen this? Who watched this? Me. Can and I watched it? I've together. seen it. Yes, we did. And Colt, oh, I, I everybody did. except Jonathan. Okay, because like I didn't want to talk about it for long because like I've I've seen it a thousand times. Like I do have things to say about it, but I'm really curious to hear what everybody else thought of this movie. Like, sitting in a room, like, I just want to see if anyone's enjoying the movie as much as I am. Because, like, I actually had to stop taking notes because, like, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, but I did want to watch it again before the podcast, and I got to the point where I just stopped, and I just watched the movie. You were just, you were just in it after it Yeah, I was, it was done. It was over with after that. <laughs> uh, even though Keanu's the main character of the movie... Al Pacino really stole the show for me. <laughs> Motherfucker. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely love Al Pacino in this movie. I It just makes me want to consume Al Pacino movies. Do it. I'm, I will. All right, bye. Don't do it. Oh, I never mind. Well, but it's, it's oh, a very, it. very fun movie. Uh, weird ending. Uh... Yeah, it's a weird ending, but yeah, that you want me to like that ending. Sorry. Uh, I mean, we'll get into it, but uh, I have to, I have to vibe with Colt here. Al Pacino, probably my um favorite uh, one of my favorite um depictions or uh, yeah, depictions of the uh of the devil. Uh, if you can, if you don't know, <laughs> the devil is in this movie. Um. What? Yeah, <laughs> Al Pacino. I guess I guess we should explain a little bit about what happened and like what's going on in this movie. Yeah, uh, I guess what what is sort of the basic synopsis for the film? Uh, basically, there's this lawyer in Florida who has never lost a case, never lost a case ever, and then all of a sudden this this guy from New York, this big wig, gives him an offer to work at this big fancy smancy law firm in New York, and uh, he and his wife moved to New York and then shenanigans ensue. And I forgot how like fucked up some of the cases were. Oh yeah. <laughs> that first case is, a, is, a, is pretty heavy. Yeah. It's yeah, a it, mm. teacher. Uh, the first one is a teacher who uh, molests his student. Uh, I think it's like, uh, it's like middle school grade, I think. Yeah. And Keanu noticed the, teacher right next to him doing some very bad hand signals to the table and he yeah. started to touch his penis in court and Keanu's like yeah uh, uh i need 15 yeah and he goes <laughs> into the bathroom yeah. and screams yeah literally literally this- keanu's character's like uh can we get a recess and uh that's when like his character's like got so fucking pissed because he's like because i you know like i thought that was a pretty good performance he was like you could have fucking fooled me you know like i thought you were innocent and like, um, man, that, I don't know. I, I really like that. That was, yeah. I always found like that was his conscience taking over a little bit. He's like, God damn it, I want to win, but motherfucker, this shit. Like, really? you, like you are a creep. Fuck. Well, like he literally does it in court, and that's and that was uh, that was funny too that we learn about his uh, his character. Uh, that's interesting because I've I've heard this so many times that like he uh, his character originally. Uh, was it worked for the DA's office and was putting people in prison, but then later, because of of course money, he he um he becomes uh an attorney who like a a defense attorney. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, and he just defends yeah. people. Yeah, and yeah, 
fucked. Some 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 fucked shit. Yeah, that's one thing. It's that's a job that I where uh I, I it's it's a hard one because if you know that they've done something, it doesn't matter. Your job isn't to prove that they didn't do it, it's to get them a lesser sentence. It's Well, if you know they did it, you're legally obligated to not represent them. Yeah, but there's there's a lot of cases where they're like you didn't do that and you didn't tell me that, okay? Yeah. Well, or to, to, to the point, like there's a case later on in the film uh, where the the client played by Coach Craig T. Nelson, um, he he's like an objectively bad person. Like he's he's spun around his wife. Like he's, he does he does all these like embezzlement and like just like a bunch of crooked shit. But the whole gimmick is. He's trying to get him off from murder. Triple homicide. So, like, triple homicide. So, basically, like, yeah, yeah, he's he's a bad dude, and I'm not going to deny that, but, like, my job is to, is to prove that he didn't kill these people. So, there's a, there's a whole thing there. Like, he's not, a, he's not a good person, but, like, he's innocent of this. He's trying to prove he's innocent of this, like, this big, horrible thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Did Cannon finish his synopsis? I don't remember. Oh uh, well, I was gonna go for a little bit longer, but you know it—it's just weird. Like a part of me, this is one of the reasons why time travel needs to be possible. Because could you imagine going back and not seeing a trailer for this movie, not knowing what this movie was about, and then pressing play and then watching it? Because like he gets this job at this law firm, and you—you you really don't get like the big. You know some like weird shit is afoot, but you don't really get the full effect of it until the end of the movie because uh, he tackles on bigger profile cases. He's always getting pulled away from his wife, and his wife, in turn, is like slowly losing her mind because she's actually seeing what's really going on. And But, you know, Keanu's character's out doing what he's doing, and it's just... I love how they do it because it's all a, f- a fucking test. Should we just like say the ending? Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. Or well, I feel like we, we, we can we can work up to it because I I think what the movie does really well is just give you that slow burn of like, okay, you, you think it's a movie about this like this seemingly decent young lawyer who's on a high rise of success get pulled into like what's this this giant shady like law firm and he's sort of like slowly kind of being like ingratiated into like the more seedy aspects of it and then as his wife is being slowly sort of molded by the, the wives of the other lawyers and like Al Pacino's own character and then but then there's one moment in the film where then that everything just turns on its head and then that's when Charlie's there on uh Keanu's wife in the movie is out out with a on the day with the girls, the other lawyer wives, and then some weird shit happens, and that that really precipitates her exponential mental decline. Yeah, at a rapid and fierce pace. Goddamn, you just feel bad for Charlize Theron in this movie. Yeah, yeah it's like it's like so bad because you know Keanu at this point, you know that that's part of the movie itself because like he's you know being greedy here, huh? greed. Yeah. Um. And like living his dream, doing what he wants. And granted, 
um, Charlize Theron's character was for this 100%, but then, like, like you said earlier, a slow burn. Like, she's doing something so tiny as, like, picking paint for a wall, like, paint that she wants on the wall. And they're like, eh, no, not with your complexion. Eh, no, not that one. Eh, that one doesn't match the, the fucking brown spot in the floor. And it's just, like, little things like that, and it starts growing, like, God, they... Like Al, Pac- Al Pacino's character, they have a little chit chat and like convinces her to change her hair. It's like you look better this way. And she blah, wasn't blah, blah. making any choices for herself. She was only looking for yeah. the approval from people around her. Like with the yeah. paint selection, her friend just said, "Uh, no, nah, that green's not good. Seafoam's not good. You- green's not good. Uh, just stupid shit like that." She just couldn't make choices for herself. Which made me angry because I love green. It's my favorite so color. Basically, they're, they're slowly robbing her of her like, independence and like, own agency. And then you just see Keanu drifting further away from her as he's be, like, be, being just like showing all the glitz and glamour and like the success of being like, this unscrupulous, highly paid lawyer. Yeah, also everything, I mean, they're throwing everything at you besides a giant neon sign about him having the hots for one of the lawyers at the firm. Yes, because like he has that wandering eye throughout the film for this, this like redheaded lawyer lady in a in a in a tight fitting red dress. And, like I wonder if she's somehow a force of temptation. <laughs> yeah, what gave it Her away name was uh, Cristobala. <laughs> was it Cristobella? Oh, because she's Italian. Maybe, maybe. Christabella. Um, you see, you see, Al Pacino throws some 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 little Italian in there. Yeah, he talks about the Dunkachino. Yeah. <laughs> and you see how like crazy. God damn it! Like you say, how crazy her world is turning. And on the flip side, um, Keanu is getting involved in this uh, triple homicide case. And and there's even a point where Al Pacino, the head of this law firm, is pretty much like, "I'm taking you off the case. You need to take care of your wife." Yeah, and then he's just like, "No, no, I can't do that." And like, I might. Like, Here's what I'm scared. Of. Yeah, he's like, if he leaves, she gets better, and then he'll resent her for it. He was he was basically handed an out, but no, he still wanted to continue doing what he was he, doing. Al Pacino gave him just enough rope to hang himself. Yes. Yeah. Um. And I think that, but I think that was also interesting too. That case because you know it's a triple homicide, and it was funny because like immediately it's like. There's no way anybody, you know, there's no way you could win this case. And like y- you know, this you know, this movie uh isn't like all about uh well it is about the work, their work and stuff, but that I just thought that was interesting how like you know, you kind of like I I was really immersed in that. Um like you know, triple homicide, you can't you can't win this case, but then later they find out that uh, this guy that he's defending was banging his um assistant sec- secretary, secretary yeah yeah and assistant but then whatever. but then it was interesting because later Keanu's character uh Lomax was uh, uh interviewing her and he and he literally asked her this simple question of was he circumcised and she couldn't answer it and it was just kind of like it was just kind of like uh okay that's kind of weird um. Because it, he, well, I also thought that that was him because you know before that he was all like you know he you're the lawyer's gonna change his tone of voice he he's gonna ask you questions that are like out of left field and I figured like 
the the cut uncut question was a part of but, that. But see, that was interesting too because he was like, he was like, you've been having sex with him for how many months now, and you don't know if he's cut or not. Like, and then later we find out that that yeah. she was, yeah, she was lying. Like they never, like yeah. it was. I mean, it's a triple homicide. It's obvious, obvious that this guy uh, in the homicide he killed his wife, uh, one of his kids, and their maid. And like, <laughs> like it, you know, that I thought that was interesting that part. But uh, you know, let's. Uh, are we still building up to the ending? Like, cause it's batshit fucking crazy. Well, yeah, yeah, we we, we might as well take it there. Um, I, uh, I well, no, I should say too with Charlie Theron character it really gets uh really gets fucking crazy when we actually I didn't expect to see Charlie Theron nude, or if she wasn't. Yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of naked titties in this movie, so heads up for that. And like whole ass naked Charlize Theron. And you know that threw me off, but like that's where we get the turn where um, uh, he went he ends up winning that triple ho- triple homicide case, gets the guy off, and uh, he comes to find uh, his wife uh, in a church, and you know turns out that she was raped by his boss. Who is uh, the law firm that he's working at? It's um, it his name's in it. I don't know the full name, but his boss is John Milton. That's played by Al Pacino, and um, you know he was he was uh, she was raped by him, and uh, but he was there at the at the courthouse the entire during the entire uh like um trial. So it's like how did this happen? So something something has been afoot, but now it's really afoot. And, and you said his uh, Al Pacino's character's name is John Milton. I will, I will, I will get to that. Yeah, I think I will get to that later. It was yeah, because uh, th- th- that's pretty. That on no, literally as soon as they introduced him, like as John Milton, I was like, oh fuck me, that's that's bam right there, smack dab. Oh uh, yeah, let's get through this thing. Um, should we go through the like uh, Barzoon? What happened to his character? Fucking Ferris Bueller's principal. Because because uh, Barzoon, he's like the, the the managing attorney, he sort of like oversees like a lot of uh, all the other micromanaging businesses. But he's sort of run down by invisible demon homeless men by uh, Al Pacino's doing to sort of get him out of the way so Keanu Reeves' character can take over this very prominent position in this law firm. And so like after winning the case, after taking up this pre- prestigious position and having a a distraction move from his life, we should say. Keanu Reeves, it's like he's, he's in this very delicate position where he he's like top of the world, but he's completely shattered inside. Yeah. So he finally goes to confront John Milton, uh, Al Pacino's character, about why all this is happening to him. Why is his life falling apart? But also he's, he's beginning extremely successful. Well, he the main reason confronting him is like, well, we got to forget about his wife killing herself in the crazy house. Like this mirror breaks and there's this giant shard of glass and which I thought the shard of glass was too big for that little mirror because the reason she freaked out, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. She freaks out because she sees uh, the demon, same demon face that uh, she saw with the other lawyer wives uh, while they're out shopping. And then she freaks out like, like knocks her out of the way and there's glass in the floor and then she ends up locking the door and Keanu Reeves is like banging on it trying to get in there and then she just says I love you and just takes a shard of glass and just rips her own throat uh, in two 
and just that was a pretty brutal scene. Yeah, on top like of just all the brutality that's happened to this woman, physically and psychically. It still gets to me a little bit, not as much as it used to. But that was one thing in movies uh, that I could not stand watching or looking at was like slit throats. I don't know why that just freaked me the fuck out. It's to me, it's slit, it's slit throats, stuff with eyes and like wrists being cut. Mm. That's a big, I guess, trigger God. for me because that's oh fuck. So he goes to confront. Uh, Milton and um, oh, and we also learned <laughs> before he even goes there that Milton is Keanu's father. Yeah, because his mom reveals that um, that because earlier in an elevator scene, Milton meets his mom and he's like, "Have you ever been to New York?" And she's like, she doesn't answer because Keanu like kind of answers for her, but she's like, "Yes," she tells him that I have been to New York part of like some mission trip or whatever and that you know she met him when he was like a waiter and then from then on you know the rest is history Lomax is born after their um after that meeting dun, dun, dun. yeah that's another thing i liked about that because he was a waiter at that point in his life and and it goes back to what he said to Keanu earlier in the film um, he didn't like say this like word for word, but he basically was telling him, you know, don't get too big for your britches. Just like remain small, like as in not to draw attention to yourself, which, which <laughs> makes a lot of sense in how this movie ends up going in the first place. I mean, plus, plus there's a really, there's some, there's a good callback where um, Ken, when Keanu first revealed he came from a very religious household with his mother, uh, Milton cites a bible verse like i sent you out amongst the wolves and his mom says that to him later on in the film and like it clicks like hold on and and plus there's a neat scene when he first meets milton there's a moment where you see milton's shoes and they're similar to keanu they both wear these the same type of shoes yeah and it also gave me i actually use this movie line today when people like ask me if i like go to church and stuff i literally tell them this line no i'm on parole early release for time served (laughs) I've always fucking Fuck. loved that line in the movie. <laughs> love it. Fucking love it. But um he confronts Milton, final fucking showdown. And um asks, What did you do to my wife? And Milton pretty much admits to just doing the dirty, dirty, nasty with his wife because she even said while they were in the church that like a part of her, because of who he is, like wanted to do it, but she couldn't say no and whatnot. And then after Keanu unloads his pistol, almost, into the devil, oh, fuck, <laughs> into yeah. Pacino, <laughs> it's the devil. It's the literal devil. And this is when Pacino just goes full ham for the rest of the movie. Oh, man, this that scene is so great. I, I can listen to Pacino just ramble about just hell nothings for forever. It, it's literally this long, really good monologues of just like, him talking about you know humanity, temptation, God as well, which is really good. I I liked how he compared lawyers uh, as modern day priests. I thought that was really fucking good because priests, uh, you know, especially in Catholicism, are the ones who offer forgiveness. But now it's lawyers who are essentially, in a way, um, offering forgiveness by getting either getting them off or um, you know having them, you know, um, guilty, found guilty. I thought that was pretty, I thought that was a pretty good delivery. It's it's, it's through the law that the absolution of crimes happens. 
and um also too while he's uh while he's just going off um he has a piece of uh, art behind him. It's like a sculpture, and then it starts to morph and reveals its its true form, which is like um, which is supposed to like resemble um, what I assume is like Milton imagery of like the fall of the rebel angels, something like that. Um, like I was gonna say to Jonathan earlier, if you don't know, John Milton wrote Paradise Lost, which is about. Which is uh, Satan being casted e- out of heaven? Yeah. Which, um, oh, e- e- even more so than the Bible, probably has is the number one thing that has shaped our cultural conception. Yeah, of what it the devil? It is, is so it because it's so interesting because my dad will always because he's sexy Satan. Yeah, because that's that's funny because I remember we were uh, because I learned about uh, I read Paradise Lost in my um twelfth grade English class and um it, it was just. It was just so funny because when you I've I've heard so many so much from Paradise Lost that I didn't realize that is from Paradise Lost and not from the fucking Bible because so many people have quoted it and have thought it's from the Bible and that's just so funny how much of an impact it's had on Christian religion and there were so many it was just funny because I think the cl- entire class except for probably one person was not Christian everybody else was Christian it was it was actually a pretty small class but everybody else was just like was just shitting on Satan. And the whole point of Paradise Lost is like, well, maybe Satan's more of a rebel than he is, you know, uh, this creature or whatever. And it was just, it was just so funny because people were like, oh, I don't think he's a rebel. Like, well, you missed the point of it then, you idiot. Yeah. And, and, and like, Milton is still like devil bad, but it it definitely humanizes. Yeah. Because it's an, it, in a way that the uh, previous works had, yeah, and and it's uh and it's and it was funny because like it was, uh, it, I remember in my class, uh, my my teacher called it an epic, and somebody was like, it's not really that epic. Like, well, it's written as an epic, so it's an epic. Like, you don't, yeah, by like the literary definition, def- it's like a goddamn epic, epic. Doesn't mean you fucking right. Yeah, now. exactly. Like, cool or badass? <laughs> like, how stupid are you that you're in an advanced 12th grade English class and you didn't even know that? <laughs> like, fuck. Um, but you got to remember where we went to school, Wenzel. That's not much of a... I know, I know. And, and that's what I, I... Man, I really enjoyed that because a lot of a lot of stuff was taken from Paradise Lost that was used in his uh, dialogue. Oh, so fucking good. That's just a good-ass Also, ass what name. comes from Paradise... You know what else comes from Paradise Lost? Adamantium. Oh, what? Adamantium. Really? Yeah. Well, like, like I, the, I, the metal I, that's in Wolverine's bones. Yeah, there, there's a reference to it in Paradise Lost. Damn, they had the MCU planned the fr- out in Paradise Lost. I don't, I don't remember that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been, it, but it has been a while since I've read it. That was fucking 2017, so that was three years ago. Mm. I never picked it up after that. Uh, also, also the statues fuck. The statues yeah. do fuck. Statues That's bone. true. Specifically when like real people bone in front of them because as the scene continues you find out that the uh the woman that Keanu has been um kind of lusting over this whole time is his half sister and the devil wants them to to bone to basically bring out the antichrist cuz the devil wants a family. It's his time now. You can't see him. His time is now. For those of you at home, I did the John Cena hand thing. But um, 
right before the nimbly bimbly starts, Keanu goes, because earlier, um, uh, he was talking, uh, fuck, sorry, Pacino's character, uh, Satan, was talking about, you know, free will, it is a bitch, which most certainly is, so right before Keanu decides to do the damn thing, he says, you know what, I do have a choice, free will, right? And then, blows his own brains out. <laughs> What a bummer of an ending. And then Al Pacino's like, the devil is freaking out. There's fire behind him. He like force pushes his uh, daughter and then she like turns into a mummy corpse for some reason. She She just, just, I guess just a fire. Cause like you see Al Pacino, like literally a dude on fire, just like screaming his head off and all the shit around and catching the fire, all the naked statue fuckers, they catch on fire. And for some reason turns into Keanu Reeves with long hair. All his clothes burn off. You just see like shirtless Al Pacino and then at the last second he morphs back into Lucifer, I guess. Yeah, flaming wings, all that jazz. Long hair Keanu, angel wings, screams one more and then zoop, it just sucks back into Keanu when he's and the uh, the very first trial adjourned to the bathroom, like it all happened in his head. Yeah, we didn't we didn't talk about his reporter buddy that came into the bathroom with him, and he's just like, can't win them all. Like gives him the wink and leaves, and that's when we come back. Keanu's like, Duh! like freaking out in front of the mirror uh, where he left off at the very beginning of the movie, and the dude's like, it's like can't win them all, man. Walks out and goes in to that case and just says, Hey, I cannot represent my client anymore. So he basically says, fuck this. I'm out. They leave out. And his reporter friends like, God, dude, I have to have the exclusive. This is huge. This is like huge news. Like a defense attorney just like, just walks out because he grows a conscious. This is big fucking shit. And he tells him, all right, I'll call you at eight in the morning. I'll talk to you then. And then he gives that wink again and then turns into Al Pacino's, the devil, and from a line he said earlier in the movie, vanity, definitely my favorite sin. And then credits. I want to know what you guys think of this ending, because me personally, I kind of dig it. Not because, you know, you know, I know the bad guy can't always win, but in this movie, he definitely did, in a way. It's like, here we go again. I, yeah, like Groundhog Day, devil edition. Yeah, I was... I was kind of thinking like, yeah, I, I really, I actually really like that ending. I was like, cause like when he morphs back into, uh, I guess I can assume Lucifer, like you, like you said, Pat, he, um, he, for, for some, because he, you know, he has so much power. He literally just throws every, he alters reality completely. So he throws everything back in time to that moment to play out a different scenario where, you know, Keanu, uh, is influenced to have a conscience and to actually go with his gut, and uh, and but still is still tempted again by vanity because that that was the thing that Al Pacino told Keanu's character was that like you've been driven by vanity this entire time, but this time it's a different route. So it's like it's still driven by vanity, but this time it's into stardom, um, because you know uh. He's going to be in the limelight. He's going to be interviewed and stuff. So, again, at the end, the devil does win. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. 
to me it's weird i think i think of it as that is the focal point like say it doesn't work out a second time and it goes right back to the shitter where where he left off again because like that's the one point it's like well fuck let's go down the list here happens the same way again he he loses a second he's like god damn it i'm out of ideas and but that's the thing too is that i think it's funny that like you know, if Satan exists, that means God has to exist. What the fuck is God doing? Just watching this shit happening and just not caring? I mean, that's what he's playing Xbox. That's what. That's what. Uh, I mean, that's what Al Pacino's character says. Uh, originally, is that, like he just watches, and like I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess he doesn't really give a shit, which I think is funny too. Uh, you know, and it's funny because he makes. Uh, uh, he's talking about uh, God's rules, and uh, he makes an obvious connection to uh, the Bible. Uh, with Adam and Eve, I think that was funny, was like, look, but don't touch. And, you know, that, that whole reference with Eve and the forbidden fruit, I thought I thought that was fun. Uh, everything everything yeah. that Al Pacino did at the end was fun to me. Good, good, crazy shit. It was really good. It was really good times. Now we just need uh, the Devil's Advocate 2 where we see this whole bitch run over again. Hey, I'd watch it. And, like, we, we made, I made, the, I made the realization earlier before we started recording that Keanu Reeves is 33 when this movie came out, and uh, Al Pacino was 56. So Al Pacino is the same age that Keanu Reeves is now when he made that movie back in the 90s, which is sort of crazy just how well Keanu is aged. Yeah. <laughs> Looks youthful all time. It's the blood. He's drinking it. I know he is. Yeah. It's all, it's all that nipple blood from Dracula. Oh, fuck. I didn't get a chance to rate this one on Letterboxd yet, but if I were to give it a star score right now, i probably a solid four. It, I, I love this movie. It's, it's, it's a very good three and a half for me. It, yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. It's a very good three and a half for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's funny because I watched a movie that I think I gave like three stars this year, and I did not enjoy it. Uh, yeah, fun time, fun time. You can't you can't go wrong with this movie, no way. Agreed. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a legitimately solid movie. Like there, I can't really think of any serious criticisms I have with it, other than just sort of being like a tonality thing. Like this is a great movie. It's not one I would just throw on because it is a, it yeah. is a slow burn. It is a, a pretty serious movie, but it's a great. Oh movie. yeah, no the tone the tone is definitely. Uh, definitely a dark one uh it's i i didn't oh most definitely we're dealing with also the same color palette as constantine which i think was kind of fun too uh yeah yeah hell yeah two movies with keanu and satan sign me up double feature i mean like half the movies that we talked about today are supernatural related with keanu and i'm dracula <laughs> the devil and now the, the the next movie is is uh, Constantine, which is... This oh, is a, shit, yeah! Well, this is a movie that Colt picked, so I want him to talk about why he picked this film and just sort of, sort of set the stage for the plot before we get into our bigger conversation. Colt? I picked Constantine because I remember when I was very little, uh, my mom and dad had rented it, and they watched, like... I remember they watched it, and I was freaked out by the opening scene so bad that I had to go to bed. Uh, specifically, the car crash and the scene that made me go to bed was the uh, the bed scene where uh, the mirror gets thrown out the window. 
Oh, that's like the first fucking scene, too. Yeah. That's, that's the very start of the movie. I was like five years old, so... that That's understandable. I mean, it's reasonable. But yeah, that was a, a big reason why I wanted to watch it. Also because we were going for the lower quality Keanu movies, and uh, I saw that everybody else really picked some stinkers, so uh, I wanted to get some good ones in there. Or at least get one good one. So... Now we know how we got to the film. So what was what is sort of the basic plot of the film for Constantine? Uh, it's a, about a what is he a? I don't know what to call him. Jo- is he? A, I would call priest. No, he's a he. He's no. what you would probably call a modern day mystic. Okay, he's a modern day mystic going around uh, doing exorcisms on people that uh, require them. We will say this is actually an adaptation of DC's comics, Constantine. Constantine. It's Hellblazer, yes. Yeah. Uh, And I did get a chance to rewatch this for the show, but I've seen this a few times in the past, and I love this movie. Yeah, same. I fucking love this movie, and it is also my favorite depiction of hell in any movie I've ever seen. Yes. Okay. I I love how they um, portray hell. It's my favorite. It's pretty much just a like your world, our world now, just mirrored in like fire and hot and ashes. Yes, and, yeah, and, and ash and no fucking face monsters. It reminds me of the Metro uh, universe, uh, the cool Russian shit going on there, where everything's destroyed and you have demons and monsters roaming. It, it look, it's a wasteland essentially. Um, yeah. Uh, Man, yeah, it looked really good. Um, there's, I'm sorry, I I had a thought that it just it went to hell and I can't get it out. <laughs> there was a lot of this movie that went in one side of my head and went right out the other, but there's some parts that I will never forget. There's the beginning part I'll never forget, and the very end I'll never forget. The middle. That's where I'm a little lost. I don't really remember what happens in the middle. It's it. Wow. Can you? <laughs> yeah, I watched the movie. Of course, I remember. Then say it. You want me to describe the entire middle of the movie? No, I, we've been doing synopses, and I don't remember. So I was thinking someone else can do it. No, you're gonna. You're. We're forcing you to describe this entire movie right now. Okay, there's a <laughs> scene in the streets where there's demons. No, and he's okay. like, Get back. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. No, ser- seriously though, this uh, the the um, uh, the movie starts off uh quoting um, uh, I believe. I, I'm not sure, but it quotes about the Spear of Destiny. If you don't know, you know, the yeah. Spear of Destiny is the the spear uh, by a Roman soldier that used to pierce Jesus in his ribs, and that's what killed him. And, you know, during World War II, there were a lot of, uh, quote, you know, uh, holy artifacts that were kept by the Nazis, part of their occultism and shit, and one of those was the Spear of Destiny. And the quote said that whoever controls the spirit of destiny controls the world uh, the fate of the world and um that was one of the missions that hitler was said to seek out the spirit of destiny it was not just spirit of destiny a ton of occult stuff that's why you got all the nazi shit being wrapped in the occult for 
100 years now, not 100 years, a long-ass time, uh, with the Spear of Destiny, uh, I'm really, really interested in it, that uh, with the Spear of Destiny, if you were to drop it, whoever had it dies. You will die in a short amount of time, so if you ever have the Spear of Destiny in your hands, do not drop it. Yeah, wow, I've never heard that story, but that's pretty fucking epic. (laughs) Um so yeah, and then the movie starts off in Mexico with a man um, who stumbles upon like some you know some wooded uh, underground wooded area. No, I say wooded, um, like a storage area uh, because the woods rotted or whatever. And he finds this thing, you know, a little nod wrapped in a Nazi flag, and it's obviously the spear of fucking destiny that mentions in the opening title. And uh, you know, he he goes to um, he starts hearing voices, and he's like. He, he starts to run away, and that's the car crash scene that Colt mentions, because as he's walking away, a car comes and hits him, and he uh, he looks like he, he annihilated the fucking car, and the guy just walks off. And, you know, there's obviously something wrong with that, because his eyes turn black, I think, as well. So there's... Yeah. Yeah. And also, to Colt's credit, like, that scene, it, it is a very jumpy jump scare. I'm, I saw this in theaters. Fuck. It came out, and fuck me. Everybody in the theater just screamed I bet, man. when that car whammed that guy. No. And then, you know, he gets up and continues his journey. You know, I'm also in the same boat with Colt. When I was a kid, uh, I only saw a few parts of this, and I was terrified. This scared me, because I was a very little Christian boy. And, like, you know, uh, that was something I told Colt about this, that... Uh, you know, certain certain parts of Christian, certain Christians, even certain sects, believe that if you consume any sort of material that makes reference to the devil, that mentions him or has anything has the devil in it, then you are partaking in devil worship. So when I saw that, I oh, was wow. like, I was like, oh my god, like demons are going to attack me because I've watched this movie now. I'd never understood that because how would you know the signs of the devil if you never learn about them? I don't. Well, I don't no, get it. because well, if because you because religion doesn't make well, sense. it doesn't make sense. But I mean, from a standpoint like if you read the Bible, then you'll know that the devil exists. But because uh, because you know they don't they don't believe in iconography or making idols and stuff. If you're making idols of you know, the unholy, then that is considered, you know, unholy worship, and that if you are recreating unholy things in the form of media, then that, in turn, is, like, worshipping them. In a it, like, it doesn't make sense, but it kind I kind of get it, even though I don't believe in it, you know? Fucking atheist. It's basically just put into form what doesn't have one, and that kind of puts these images and ideas in people's heads, sort of Makes them think about it, makes them curious. So, but like you said, it yeah, it's down in Mexico. Constantine's on a job. He has to exercise a demon out of a little girl, and that's a really good scene. It is so fucking. It was so good because he's in. uh, It cuts to him being in L.A. and he, um, this guy is like, "I got you a good one, John." You know, and um, John is trying to exercise his girl, and like it's like this demon's trying to claw its way out of her body, and like this is where we get into some neat stuff where he's like. He's like, get a mirror, get me a mirror, and like, you know, like being very specific, and like, oh my, it was just a good scene because he gets that mirror, you get to see the demon, the guy, the people holding the mirror, he's like, don't look, one guy looks, ends up getting aged instantly, crazy shit, 
ah, oh, man. Then the demon gets trapped in the mirror because he's able to exercise it out, and he breaks the mirror, and the demon is fucked. Uh, oof. <laughs> and the mirror breaks a car. I, yeah, it's a big ass, like, or- ornamental mirror. I completely forgot Shia LaBeouf was in this movie. Like, <laughs> yep. He plays the, uh, his, his, essentially his, um, apprentice, Psychic. apprentice and, um, driver. And one of the biggest driving, like, kind of dramas in the film, we find out, like, Keanu Reeves is Constantine. No, no, in the comics that he's just a chain smoker. He has lung cancer. Yes. And very advanced, because he's just, like, he just pumps out, like, packs and packs a day. So he ends up, eventually leads into a, a meeting with Gabriel, played by Tilda Swinton, in her all in her androgynous glory. Yes. Uh, I love Tilda Swinton so much. Uh, She's so good. Yeah. I, I, that was like, I, uh, her, her portrayal of Gabriel was really good. Um, I forgot she was in it as well, and she was great. And um, that was some. That's like that's like the big uh, plot of this movie is that like the reason why John Constantine is exercising demons, he calls them deport. He calls them. He calls it deporting them, deporting them back to hell. And um, the reason why he does this is so that you know he can uh, he can earn favor to get into heaven, which is essentially like buying your way into heaven. And Gabriel literally tells him, "You're fucked." <laughs> like. Yeah, because Constantine, he committed suicide when he was a lot younger, and because of that, you know, being Catholic, you commit suicide, you're done, and he actually died for two minutes, and he said that it was pretty much a lifetime in hell for those two minutes, but of course he got brought back, but his fate is now sealed because he's already killed himself, and now he has lung cancer, so when he dies, he knows where he's going. That's, I guess, that's probably maybe, I guess in, in, in 2020 time, it's a probably maybe a little clunky thing, just how we can how we, people look at mental health and suicide. Because in I guess probably some versions of Catholicism, suicide is a mortal sin. So yeah, that's apparently a, like it's a very high grievance in the eyes of God to a lot of Christian interpretations. So like that's a big point in the film, not only to Constantine but also other characters as well. Yeah. Uh, because, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Because he, he meets this, um, the police detective, uh, in the course of the movie, who has a twin sister who is apparently a psychic who committed suicide because she was just kind of overrun with sort of what her ability allowed her to, just to hear the voices of the undead and the damned and led to her death. But what we but what we find out is that her her twin sister has a very valuable piece of information about all the demons coming into the real world, and this was also connected to the disappearance of the spirit of destiny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, something I should we should mention too: the reason why Constantine originally committed suicide because he was going through the same issues that she was having was that he's able to um, perceive and communicate like with these entities that he sees and that's also a big plot point too yeah. is that uh there's there's regular demons and there's regular angels but then there's these there's half breeds that he calls them which are half angels and then there are half demons and he can see their true forms which is like the same thing that uh isabel the girl who who kills herself can see and that's why she uh kills herself god damn the world building in this movie is amazing. right 
This could have been this could have been like a TV. Sh- I mean, well, there was a Constantine TV show, but it wasn't this iteration. There's a really great setting in the movie that it just looks great. One of one of my favorite scenes in the movie or sequences is when they are trying to get the information that his sister had. But there's a bit where he and the police detective are out in the street by this like in the street in the middle of the night. And then, like, all the demons start coming, and all the lights in the city start slowly dimming out. So the only thing left is, like, these neon lights and, like, this Latino sort of reliquary store. And then when that light turns, that last light of the cross turns out, it just goes dark. I'm getting chills thinking about just how cool the scene is. Because then Constantine, like, lights up like a rag, and you just see demons everywhere. It is so good. I'm gonna have to watch this soon. God damn. Yeah, do, I wanted to watch it for this, but we just no time. Do, yeah, same here. Does he say what that rag is that he burns? I, I don't remember is that some kind of like sacrament that he sets on fire and makes like a holy flame. Mm-hmm. It's been a while for me, but just just the cinematography, the direction in this film, it's just to me it's just superb. Cause like the movie's just oozing with like just like visual character and the world is just so concrete and I just even though this movie in the past was very disparaged for being so different from the Hellboys or comics but Justin who is uh, of course you know, runs a comic book store loves the Hellboys or comics and John Constantine he loves this movie even though it's considered by many to be kind of like a bastardized edition of Hellboys I yeah, nowhere near like the source material. I mean, it it takes things here or there, but still, it's a phenomenal fucking movie. It yeah. it does not get the credit it deserves. Yeah, I, I I think it's great. Like I've never read um, Hellblazer or anything, and you know, I, I assume that that uh, that delves more into because it's DC. So there's more there's more to the mystic side of DC than just angels and demons and heaven and hell. You know, but like this, like this, so like solely just focuses on you know, Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian religion, everything surrounding that. And, ah, man, it was so, it was so fun. Like you, like Cannon said, the world building, building was great. Something, something I said in like, uh, a review sort of was like, I love kind of like how he deals with, um, these creatures and stuff is kind of like science, uh, like processes, but I don't, I don't think science is the right word. It's, it's like, they're like processes is the best way to describe it because there's a cool part in there where, um, he's getting like items and stuff from this guy and, uh, he gets like a bunch of, he gets grenades with holy water. He gets, uh, something called dragon's breath, which as you can guess, shoots out fucking fire looks awesome. Uh, it's like it's like this golden holy like grenade launcher. Oh my god, I forget the, in that line he goes, "Dragon's breath." I thought you couldn't get it anymore. He goes, "Well, I knew knows a guy." It's really good, <laughs> and and then he gets a an Amityville screamer beetle, which was like, <laughs> okay, what's reference is this? I don't know, but I love it because apparently like demons hate it, and then he uses it later in a really good <gasps> scene where he gets jumped by a full fledged demon that's using insects. A fucking bug demon. He that's. I forgot yeah, about yeah, no, that was so cool, and like, and like, he's fighting him, and th- the voice acting was like, "You should have stayed away, Exorcist," or something. And then he uses the beetle, and then the you know, uh, he gets the the bug gets fucking hit by a a car. So, but that was cool as shit too, man. Uh, my favorite scene with his weaponry, uh, 
it, it it's easily the one where he actually gets to go John Wick. He goes sicko mode. Uh, it's towards the end of the movie, but the way he just goes ham on a crowd of demons with his badass shotgun grenade launcher type thing. Man, you don't see Keanu do shit like that until John Wick, I believe. It's like the Holy Cross I, shotgun. I I looked for toy versions of that when that movie came out. That's too. fair. <laughs> there was there was nothing. There was nothing. We, we didn't get the Holy Hand grenade. Oh, uh, man. And also another another really good scene where he uses that is when he uh gets the jump on Balthazar. Oh, which was such a good interrogation scene because oh, it's like this, uh, this like businessman with like a with a coin that like instead of flipping it magically, kind of like flows on his fingers and stuff, kind of like two face bit. Um, but like he's looking at himself in a mirror, and the mirror starts like uh, transforming and melting, and that's when it's Keanu using the dragon's breath to fucking burn through the mirror, and that throws him back, and then like he attempts to you know. Uh, he oh he throws a fucking uh, holy water at his face, burns it off. Uh, but Balthazar is a fucking half demon, so he he has him in a ch- uh, he has him hold him by the throat, and then <laughs> I love it, I love it to this day. Keanu pulls out knuckle dusters with fucking crosses on them and pr- proceeds to beat the shit out of Balthazar. Oh, oh fuck, it's so that good. I like to add, ba- I just want to add Balthazar is played by uh, the lead singer of Bush, Gavin Rosdale. Really, really, yeah. Yeah, I, I I couldn't have picked that out back in the day. Like but. we have to, God, we haven't even talked about that fucking scene in Midnight's Club, like the neutral club. Yeah, like where you're like, no, hey, no business conducted here, motherfuckers. It kind of like the goddamn like later on the Continental. Yeah. It's like angels and demons, you can fucking chill here. You want to fight, you better get out. This is my house. This is awesome scene where it's oh god, I can never pronounce his name. What's that actor's name? He he's in. Um, Di- oh, I don't want to fuck it up. Here, let me show I, you. I picture. know exactly who he's been in a lot of movies. Oh, I don't know how to pronounce that. It, anyway, he like fucking about. just pounds his fist on his table. And go, you know the rules of my house. When you are here, you will abide by them. And they're like, yeah. Even though fucking Balthazar still cheats, chokes up Constantine while he's trying to leave. Jimon uh, and Hansu. Yeah. 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 He, he's a really. He play, He's the guy that says who when when, when like Star Lord asks who he like. Try to build up who he is in a Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it's just like so many cool scenes. Even like, I mean, I say little, but you know, a lot of special effect went into it. Like when they were, when Constantine was describing, you know, the world between angels and demons in that convenience store. That's when his buddy, that priest guy, just like drowns himself in booze, and you see like. Hey, you see Balthazar turn into his demon form, and then you see the clerk at the fucking store turns out to be an angel, and it's fucking like these beautiful wings just come out, and it's like, no, 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 motherfucker. Well, speaking of wings, like, when you see Gabriel's, like, true form in the movie at the end. Oh, the, the God. Whole, the whole final sequence with uh, Constantine, Gabriel, and the devil, it's fucking amazing. Yes, the ending to this movie is... I... I I think it's perfection. Like I, I love, like I, 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 I love this movie. I love how it turned. out. I don't out. want to say too much more. I still want Jonathan to get the full bit because he hasn't seen. This. Oh shit! I did not know you haven't seen this. I'm gonna shut up now. No more podcasts for Canon. Bye. So uh, just just wrapping up, uh, Cole. What what were your sort of final opinions on on Constantine? I absolutely loved it. Uh, I thought it was very fun. 
it was I say this, but I gave it like three and a half. I was Whoa. I know it's such a low <laughs> score. It's a very fun movie. It's uh my favorite scene. I can't even say it. I don't want to spoil it for Jonathan, but the finger. That's all I'm saying. The thing yep. It was the fucking greatest. Got you know what, Jonathan? We're watching this. Please. We're that this that finger Captain. that finger yes. was good. That was real fucking good. Uh we, we gotta make time this weekend. All right. it's, it's it's just too good not to watch. Okay. Just for the people who have seen it, just a quick little poll. Uh who had the better devil? Constantine or Devil's Advocate? Ooh. Devil's Advocate. Oh, wait. That's I, this is tough for me. This is very tough for me. Because they're both hammy as fuck. But for, with a little bit that the devil's in Constantine, he fucking yeah, it's, steals it. Mm, mm, I may have fucked myself because, yeah. like, I think, like, straight on, like, going, like, full-blown devil, just based on what we've seen, as much as I love Al Pacino, I got to go Constantine on this one. Canon. I don't know why you asked this hard question because I looking back on it, I loved his depiction of the devil. It was just so. It was so. Oh, when I I think about the devil, I think of a more Al Pacino's portrayal because I feel like the devil in Constantine was more villainy, but the actual devil that is described is like. A trickster. He's like wanting you to be punished, like uh, how uh, I mean that his, his character is punished in Devil's Advocate by having to relive this thing. I, I, I mean, a trickster character like the Devil is a villain, though. Like if we're if we're if we're thinking about back, uh, uh, well, a hyper villain that's like uh, I want you to live. Uh, bloop. He's a hyper villain in Constantine. I, I, I know where I know where Colt's coming from because, like, because the devil in Constantine is—he's a bit more like, yes, he is hammy, but he's a bit more like on the nose with like how evil he is. And, and Al Pacino's devil is—he's he's, You definitely get the villain. This is his grand circuitous plan where, like, he just sort of puts the stuff just just the right in place, and you kind of do the rest. Of you know, so. as for some reason, my mind jumped to the Loki myth. Um, for some reason, <laughs> um, yeah, I can I can understand that. Um, I don't know. I can't. That's that's a that's an impossible question, Canon. I can't answer that. They're both. Good I know in it's ways. it's yeah, it's tough even for me, even though I already answered. But still, so, I'm gonna let it go. I think Constantine comes with probably like our strongest kind of recommendation of the movie so far. So definitely go out of your way to see this is this is definitely a big yeah. fan favorite from the lads for sure. And uh, moving along, we have the next film. This was Winslow's Choice, and that's 47 Ronin. Winslow, if you would um, explain to us why you wanted to pick this film, and ultimately, what is the synopsis of the film? Okay. So, the reason why I picked this film was because it was bad. And, um, you know, we wanted we wanted to choose uh, Keanu Reeves' more not notable films, and this definitely was on there. Um, I... This came out in 2013, and I, you know, I'm not that old, but whenever I saw, reminded of, I was reminded of that, I was like, damn, that was a long time ago, uh, because I watched this in theaters, and uh, my my sister and my brother-in-law weren't even married yet. We, we watched it together, and um, oh, man, it was just, <laughs> uh, it was something. Uh, it's about, 
it's about Keanu Reeves who plays. This is late medieval Japan, you know. So forty seven Ronin. Uh, it's based. It's actually based off of an actual tale. No, I take that back. It it uses it uses the forty seven Ronin uh name of the tale, and then that's kind of all it has because this is. If you watch this and think, man, now I know everything about the 47 Ronin, you're completely wrong because this is completely fictional. Nothing in here that happens actually happens in the actual 47 Ronin real life group of masterless samurai because there are like fictional creatures, uh, weird fucking moves and sh- I'll, I'll go into it. Keanu Reeves plays a, plays a guy who is a uh, half English, half Japanese um outcast who's been adopted into um this very rich uh you know very uh very affluential japanese family and um but you know because he's uh half japanese and half english you know he's he's very much um looked down upon in in japanese society and uh and and uh whenever he tries to um to essentially like avenge the death of somebody in his family, he you know um, he can't do that because there's certain there's these weird certain codes and rules within their system that like they have to abide by. So whenever he does that, he breaks it, and then he's deemed um, a Ronin, and he joins the other outcasts of Ronins, which are you know the Forty Seven Ronin and it's kind of like his uh it's kind of like his journey with these group of samurai to expose his computer uh conspiracy uh that involved the killing of someone in his in his you know adopted family and um and yeah it's it's it was bad um there was a part in there that i actually um laughed out loud in the movie theater um because apparently he was a um he was taught a technique by tangu that he meets in a cave and this technique is that they can do really fast front and side flips or no really fast front flips and cartwheels that's what it was so it's just Keanu Reeves with like CG flipping moves? yes and it was oh, and it fuck. was so fucking funny because it, the the tangu the tangu look ugly by the way they look disgusting um look them up if you want um and they were like, this is our special technique, and the technique was just that. <laughs> it was literally them moving really fast, and somehow he could do it, and he does do it, and it's it's really fucking weird. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and the, the funny thing is, too, on the front poster of 47 Ronin is a, uh, is a guy, his name is um, Rick Genest. Uh, Rick Genest, I think? Yeah, I, I, was, about to br- I was about to break and, him up. And Rick- he... If you don't know, he's the uh, he's the guy. He's the guy who has tattoos on his body. He looks like a skull. He worked with Lady Gaga. He uh, he, he's no. He, he committed suicide a few years. Yeah, ago. he he was he committed yeah. suicide in 2018, and um, the skull boy. Yeah, his his name was uh, he was known as Zombie Boy, and uh, he's on the front cover, and he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't play that big of a role, and it's like he's featured on like almost all of the advertising for the movie. It's really weird. Like he's essentially an extra and he's um 
kind of given like, oh, he must be a very important character and he's barely in it. Yeah, uh, he's like in it for one portion. That's where they have to, I think, go to a Dutch colony. I, you know, I thought I could talk about this movie, but like it's been it's been seven years since I've seen it. And uh, I don't know why I, I, I kind of just I, I should have watched it again. Um but uh, there was some cool like stuff in there, like like Cannon mentions earlier. I think uh, he, like there is a um, a snake creature. I think it's more of a dragon. Um, there was a samurai golem, <laughs> which was Keanu Reeves fights, but gets his ass kicked. Um, there was a giant um, uh, boar like creature that they were running after that they had to hunt in the very beginning of the movie. Oh, it was a, a Kirin. It was a Kirin, I think. Yes, yes, it was a Kirin. Uh, you know the the horns and the, um, and the, um, it, it's like a um, it, it's just a this is a horn beast. I'm sorry, I had to look that up. Uh, yeah. And would you guys want to know the ending for this? I mean, I'm, I'm never fine. Watched. I've seen this years ago, and I don't remember shit about it, man. Not a thing. It, it is funny that because there was an ad for this. Because we watch AEW and they, they play some of their like big movie gets and kind of like TNT is, is sort of this level of cable TV. It's like getting you all those big blockbuster movies that you completely forgot about yep. five years ago. San Andreas and 47 Ronin. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is really in the uh, the forefront of people's minds when it comes to like big action movies of the last all right all right pat i won't spoil it for you jesus okay sorry uh so is that a yes from everybody sure let it rip do it okay at the very end uh after what they the 47 ronan go on this journey you know for honor for family and all that stuff and then after uh after saving you know probably all of japan or the kingdom the region whatever uh turns out that uh the 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 Shogunate authority was like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Now you're going to be arrested, and guess what? You're sentenced to death. And uh, and they're sentenced to death, but then somebody else is like, no. They followed the way of the samurai, so they get their honor, and we're going to make them samurai. But <laughs> they are still committed a crime, but because they're samurai, they can perform seppuku. That's just... and it. Uh- which is an honorable death. Which is a, a, a nomius death, I guess. It is an honorable death, which is, you know, as you know, you take a ceremonial dagger, take it out, and then you stab yourself in the stomach and go all the way, letting your organs or all in your intestines split out. That's, like, all of them are dressed in white, Keanu Reeves, and they all take out their blaze, uh, and they kill themselves at the very end. <laughs> and uh, That's fucking stupid. And then the closing caption of it is... Uh, is uh there's a tradition of paying respect at the graves of the 47 Ronin um which is on every uh December 14th of every year and uh the the thing is though like this was like so fantastical and stuff it doesn't actually you know it has that little homage at the end but it doesn't actually the movie doesn't actually pay homage to the 47 Ronin in their story it's just it was it was bad i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> unless it's just it's just funny because the way you say it, it's, like, it's just big like fantasy action epic, but then it kind of ends like like it was like it was saving Private Ryan the whole time or some shit. Like they, they're they're at the cemetery where we pay respects to these fallen warriors and like 
like mother like motherfucker Keanu Reed just like cut through fire that dragon shot at him like twenty minutes ago. What the hell? This isn't historical drama. Uh, <laughs> Saving Private Ryan was good. This this is even that. This is even this is even you know the similar at all. Like like I mean if you want to dr- like drink a few beers, vodka, wine, whatever you want, uh, get a little little buzz going and then watch it. Sure, I think it'll be a fun ride. I think it'll you know. Uh, it'll please your senses, essentially, with how the Tengu do their fucking techniques. Yeah, go for it, but no, I w- don't seek this out. Watch Constantine. Watch instead. Constantine. Yeah, watch Constantine. Devil's Advocate. Just watch it twice. Actually, yeah, do it. So we have a not so ringing endorsement from 47 Ronin as Keanu Reed, the Samurai Savior. But we still have one more Keanu role to explore, and that's coming from Jonathan's film. So tell us, what was your film, why you chose it, and give us a little bit of the story before we get into that discussion. Okay, uh, my choices bec- came down between this and a movie from 2015 called Knock Knock, where Keanu Reeves has a threesome with Ana de Armas and some other girl. I've totally not seen one of those scenes. Me either. In that movie, I've never me seen me either. I don't, I, I don't know what y'all are <laughs> talking that's a, about. That's a very oddly specific denial of happening right there, but continue. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I ended up choosing this movie because the premise was a lot wilder. So, synopsis of this movie it stars, uh, Do we have the title is The Bad Batch, it's uh, from 2016 on Netflix. It stars Suki Waterhouse. Jason Momoa, Keanu Reeves, uh, and Jim Carrey. Shit! But I didn't know that was Jim Carrey. Hold up, I'm searching this because I watched the movie and I don't fucking remember Jim Carrey. He's the guy with the. He's the homeless guy with a shopping cart. What the fuck? This is fucked. Yeah, it doesn't even look like him, even without the glasses taken off. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 fucking pulled the Daniel Day Lewis on this one. He disappeared. Into you know, the role. Tanner, if you're uh, not Tanner, Jonathan, I'm sorry, I was just reading a message from Tanner. Uh, Jonathan, if you have a really tough or yeah, if you have a really tough time telling uh, Jim Carrey apart when you watch, if you watch the Batman trailer, look for Colin Farrell. Oh, I know, like yeah. he he's unrecognizable. Um, so Suki Waterhouse plays this person named Arlen. And apparently this takes place in some, like, dystopian hellscape where the anyone who is deemed as, like, a degenerate derelict of society, they get labeled the Bad Batch, they get tattooed a number, and they get thrown into the desert. And this could be from, like, legitimate convicted criminals, or, or just, like, maybe someone who has, like, a mental illness or, you know, someone who's some sort of verge of some sort of area on the fringe of society. So, she gets sent here. Uh, We never really are given the reason why. Uh, But, you know, this model woman, she's just, she she comes across this car and in the distance... There is a golf cart, and she ends up trying to run away and get snatched up. 
by cannibals. This is what this group is. And so immediately. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. This movie starts really fucking hard. Yeah. So she gets captured by criminals. Uh, criminals. I mean, cannibals. And they cut off her arm and leg. On the same side of her body, too. So she ends up fi- uh, finding a way to escape. But this society, which they call the Bridge People, Jason Momoa is part of them. And they all, everyone in this village looks like they're from Venice Beach. What I mean by that, they are so fucking jacked. (laughs) Even the women are jacked. Hell yeah. They're just fucking massive. Like, you know how big Jason Momoa is? He's probably the smallest motherfucker in this town. Jesus. Yeah, this is how jacked these motherfuckers are. They're just like pumping iron in like the... The dystopian Texas desert? Yes. They, they have their own makeshift Mad Max weight bench. And their apocalypse music is a uh, dying word. Uh, sad. They, they're they not good. No, do not listen yeah. to dying word anymore. Yeah, that, that did not age very well. No, it did not. But, uh, so... But the the our protagonist, she's a very plucky young woman, so she ends up. Uh, she's not gonna let, me, let a double amputee keep her down. Oh no, she's like she's not gonna let a fucking ar- missing arm and leg keep her. A, she don't need no arm and leg or, or no man. Anywho, <laughs> uh, she <laughs> how she escapes it is fucking hilarious. She covers herself in shit. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> no, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> covers herself in shit. May, uh, and to, so it will bring the people over to be like, fuck, I gotta clean you. So this big muscle mama unchains her and is like wi- wiping her down. And uh, amputee girl, she, she finds a piece of rebar. Beats the beats the old woman down, knocks her the fuck out, and then she literally like fucking solid snakes her way through this through this village just by like sliding on the ground. So like this this homegirl with half her body missing is just like slithering around, covered in doo doo, living like a slug trail of shit behind her, but she's. Evading all of these cannibals somehow. Yes. They're too busy, they're too busy popping iron to, to notice this shit snake in their midst. So, <laughs> she then ends up digging through some trash, finds a skateboard, lays on the skateboard, and skateboards is her way out. This felt she, like 40 minutes, but it happens over like five minutes. Yeah, and then she's picked up by homeless uh, Jim Carrey, who didn't know it was Jim Carrey until after the fact. And he takes her to this other town, which is called Comfort. And then smash cut five months later. And she's like in the town, but she's not really vibing with anybody. You know what I'm saying? She got a new leg, though. She got a new leg, though. So, you know, it's a little lopsided. It doesn't quite fit her, but, you know, it's the apocalypse. So she, you know, sorry, I was just looking yeah. up Jim Carrey. I haven't seen this movie. I was like, what? Yeah. 
So, you know, she decides to go out. She takes a gun, goes out to just the random desert, and ends up coming across this this older black lady and a little girl. And there are scenes earlier showing that these people are with, are with Jason Momoa and the little girl is his. So fucking two are, are like missing limb chick has a gun just fucking in front of this girl, just blows the brains out of the little black and basically kidnaps the little girl, takes her back to the comfort. Meanwhile, like Jason Momoa, uh, you know, he's a fucking cannibal. His name in the movie, I shit you not, is Miami Man. (laughs) (laughs) Miami 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 Man. Man. Fuck. So you know he's the most dangerous one. Yeah. It it tracks with with the name of his upcoming film role in Dune, where he's Duncan Idaho. (laughs) So... And, and, and how you know is because he has a huge tattoo across his chest that says Miami Man. Oh, wow. Uh, also, uh, Jason Momoa in this movie is Latino. Keep that in mind. It, it's important. It comes back later. And he, he's like killing bitches and filleting them and making some meals out of people. Because he's a fucking cannibal. Um. And he like straight up like snap like this one woman who's chained up, you know, she's missing an arm, scared. She's trying to beg for her life, and he just like breaks her neck. And the next scene, he just has like a butcher knife, just like ripping into the flesh. It's real fucked. Anywho, so homegirl kills black woman, kidnaps Jason Momoa's kid. They take take her back to comfort, but in comfort. The, the town of comfort is just Bonnaroo 24-7. It's just running man all the time. <laughs> so... Th- not just things like just fucking stinky hipsters just like in the sweating in the sand. Yeah, and, and God loves Suki Waterhouse. But the minute this bitch opens her mouth... And, and, and I mind you, like, the, there's like barely any dialogue in the movie up to this point. But everyone has a very exaggerated southern accent that is really fake. And, and Suki Waterhouse is the female Hayden Christensen. Like, the actual, like, nonverbal facial and body acting, amazing. The minute they open their mouth, it, it's the cringiest shit. Alright, so she, she, take, she takes the little girl back to Bonnaroo Town. And they're like, all right, you want to drop some acid? And she's like, cool. (laughs) I'm missing half my body. Why the hell wouldn't I take drugs? Yeah, so drops a tab of acid and then loses the girl. Surprise, surprise. Uh, She ends. Oh, another important fact. Uh, There's just a random bunny salesman. Like a man selling Rabbit. Cage rabbits in the apocalypse? Yes. Of course. You know, with everything else I've heard about this movie so far, why wouldn't there be a rabbit? Why wouldn't there be? Anyway, 
Homegirl ends up buying the little girl a rabbit, and the little girl's just carrying a rabbit the entire movie. You know what? This almost makes up for the fact you shot my mom with the head. Yeah. And, and, and the little girl's like mute for most of the movie. Yeah, for the trauma of seeing her mother be murdered. So, this leads to uh, Keanu Reeves' character. The Dream. Is, he, he He's called The Dream. And, the, and his whole thing is, have you found The Dream? And y'all, y'all, I lost it. Because... Keanu Reeves, not only does he have a very bad southern accent, he is dressed like a 70s porn star. <laughs> got a fucking mustache and everything. <laughs> well, I gotta uh, see this. And has a and has a harem and a, a harem of pregnant women with assault rifles guarding him. So wait. Are, are people with assault rifles guarded to pregnant women? They're pregnant women that have assault rifles. The pregnant women have assault rifles, and they are his secret guard. As pregnant women have. You know oh, what? You know, uh, you say that, Jonathan. I'm looking at a picture right now, and they're actually uh, they're actually holding Uzis, and those are SMGs. Oh my god! Oh, oh shut the fuck up, you gun nerd. Anywho, embarrassed. Here, uh, yeah, Pat's looking it up right now. It's fucking wild. So, what happens is a little girl gets lost in the crowd, and Keanu and one of the pregnant ladies uh, take the girl in, and it's very ominous. Like, like you, you know, he's going to groom this girl to be his little like sex slave or something. It's really fucked. So anyway, meanwhile, one uh, one arm lady is just straight up tripping balls, and, and camera work is actually pretty good at this point. It's really cool, like creating that effect. She ends up uh, running into the desert just randomly, and runs into none other. Than Jason Momoa. Oh shit! Oh, Pat showing can. What the fuck? <laughs> yes. Also, just saying, this apocalypse is much more put together than I was. I was imagining it to be. Oh yeah, like they, they have like a straight up DJ. They just like all the time. This is like a soft apocalypse. Well, yeah, this is like their prison type thing. It's not like the entire world is like that. Also, the pregnant ladies, they have a shirt that says, the dream is inside me. Is the dream his cock? I think so. And and the little girl ends up wearing a a shirt that says that at one point. And it's real fucked. That's not good. However, I will say, at least from the impression we get, he didn't diddle the little girl. So, we're good there. Anyway, you know, two-limbed lady runs into Jason Momoa, and she's tripping balls, and she's just like, doesn't know what the fuck this is, and is rubbing all over Jason Momoa, who, mind you, is Latino, and has a really bad accent as well. So so he's a giant Hawaiian man pretending to be a giant... Latino man. And his name is Miami man. Wow. 
One this is the one level. This four. is the movie we're dealing with. All right. So she ends up passing out. She wakes up. Her leg is gone. Again, goddamn it! The other one. No, no, no. Her fake leg is gone. Oh. And she's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> uh, and and he sort of blackmails her. Also, a detail about Jason Momoa I forgot to mention. He is an artist. He does, and so he draws like a sketch of the little girl, and it's like, where where is this little girl? And she's like, bitch, I don't know. Even though she does know. And he's like, all right, we're going to go to comfort, and you're going to get the, my little girl for me. And she's like, well, I mean, you have my legs, so I can't really say anything. So that... And and the most of the rest of the movie is just them kind of fucking around in the desert. And they bond, but neither they don't have any chemistry at all. Nina, uh, this is also labeled a post-apocalyptic romance. Keep that in mind, too. So they run across this guy who's willing to trade, this black guy who's willing to trade gasoline with him for her leg. Don't know why he wants the fucking leg. He just wants the leg. He wants to make a lamp from the Christmas yeah. story. Oh, yeah. So... Or it's Rocket Raccoon. That guy's eye! Sorry. So, Jason Momoa acts like he's going to take the gasoline and walk off and be all cool and shit. And, and you know, and, and the guy just, like, instead of just taking the leg, he just grabs the entire woman and she's like, what the fuck? All right. <laughs> and so to meet the knife throwing quota, Jason Momoa starts throwing fucking knives at this dude. Fuck. You, know, you know what? Uh, sorry to break, but I'm really upset that this Suki Waterhouse girl isn't actually an amputee actress. I know. And, and, and the effects are really like, I was almost convinced. It's like, she's, she's not a, a double amputee at all. Not at all. Anywho, so this leads to kind of a problem that not only I had, I did some research into this. Turns out a lot of people had kind of a problem with this. The only people who die in this movie are black people. Oh, that's a a problem. Yeah, it's directed by an Iranian woman. I saw that so, one of the producers is the one of the Vice guys that you see in every Vice documentary. Yeah, like Vice helped produce this movie. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of yikesy. You know, it's like 2016. I mean, I feel like you would know better, but whatever. So they end up having this little bonding moment where she asks him, "Why? Oh, why are you in this? Why are you part of the Bad Batch?" And, and he, you know, he's a little standoffish at first, but then, then she opens up to him. Mind you, this guy's a cannibal, and we're trying to relate to him. He then opens up on why he was uh, put in here, and it was because he was an illegal immigrant. He was thrown out in the desert because he crossed the border. No, like he he was a he was an illegal immigrant. Came here from from Cuba, lived in Miami, hence Miami man. And, like, was doing, like, low-level construction work and stuff like that, and someone got pissed and turned him in. So, after they have the bonding moment, a black guy rolls up on a little scooter, shoots Jason Momoa, and is like, Hey, girl, 
come on, let's leave and go back to comfort. And she's like, okay, cool. So they leave Jason Momoa out in the desert, you know, gunshot bleeding out, you know, going to, going to probably die. Not really. Spoiler alert. He's fine. I can't believe his massive pecs didn't stop the bullet. I think, I think that's actually what happened. It just kind of went like one layer of skin. So anywho, we keep going. Um, she gets back to comfort. You know, she doesn't belong for whatever reason. You're not doing enough acid, girl. You need to up your game. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, she demands consult with the dream. Uh, Keanu lets her in, and he gives this huge speech. Basically, bread and circuses. Okay. And, and, and like... The mansion he lives in is so fucking ornate. It's like he was in a. It's like in a Kubrick, like at the end of two thousand one, where the guy wakes up in the fucking baroque bedroom. That's like his entire fucking house. Hey. So you know he gives he gives her this speech of like, oh, you know, I'm just doing this to keep the people, uh, in line. You know, I'm trying to. He's like. When you take a shit, where does your shit go? And, and he Apparently wants to... Apparently on Suki Waterhouse. What? Apparently on Suki Waterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah, because she smeared herself in poo-poo. She eat the poo-poo. Um, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. He, he keeps insisting on... He's like, where, when you shit, where does your shit come f- go? And, and she's like, bitch, I don't know. And he's like, that's right, because I'm in charge of that. And it's like... Uh, all right, dude, cool. So she tricks him, and she's like, I want to be a part of this pregnant woman harem. And he's like, awesome, sweet. Ends up, pull, uh, she ends up going in a changing room that's being guarded by one of the pregnant women. She takes her, her uh, fake leg off, uh, takes her shoe off of that foot, and swerve, she had a gun in there. In her foot. Fuck. Pulls the gun out. Oh, this, this girl just pulled... I would love that she just pulled, like, the uh, the cherry from Planet Terror. It's like, I got a gun in my leg, <laughs> God, that movie, this movie would be so much better if it did that than what it does. So, she ends up holding, you know, holding one of the, the pregnant militia ladies at gunpoint. And it's like, give me the girl... And I'll, I'll let I'll let her live. I'll, I'll go and, 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 the murder to a triple murder. Yeah, and then Keanu's like, "All right, here's the girl. Go, sure." Um, so she takes the girl on a golf cart, goes out in the desert, finds Jason Momoa, brings brings uh the girl to Jason Momoa, and. The first thing the little girl says is, I want spaghetti. <laughs> Can I have spaghetti, daddy? This because, movie because fucking sucks. I hate it. Uh, oh, we haven't got to my my favorite unintentional hilarious scene yet. And we're at the end of the movie, mind yeah. you. Um, it's like, geez, little girl, read the room. Yeah, so she's like, I want spaghetti because in comfort, you know, subtle... She got used to certain things, like, because Keanu gave her spaghetti, and she's like, I like spaghetti now, and it's like, cool thing. 
Mean and, and all this time she still has the fucking bunny, and, and so you, you know Jason Momoa is like, and, and his whole philosophy is like him and and amputee girl they get into it because she's like you're a fucking monster and he's like I'm doing what I need to do to survive, or I'm doing what I need to do to survive. God. <laughs> That movie just sounds so bad. It's so bad, Pat. Like, Like, honestly, I gave it a two, and I think I'm going to give it a worse score. So, so like this giant ass himbo is just doing a Speedy Gonzalez impression for two hours. It's not that bad, but it's close. (laughs) It does, I will say, I will give him credit. It gets better as the movie goes along. He he learns as, as it's going, he's learning in progress. Yes. It gets so, better as the movie goes on, but it's a one-star movie, and it's easily the worst of the movies that out of all of the ones that we've watched. Yes. So, the final shot of this movie is so fucking funny because, and it's because I'm a sick fuck. So you know, little girl's like, "I want spaghetti," and so he uh he asks her to. Let him see the bunny. He walks off. And, and the amputee girl's covering her eyes. Fucking breaks the bunny's neck. Fuck. Next shot is a campfire where the bunny is roasting. And then it cuts to a close up on the girl's face as she's in fucking tears. <laughs> she's just like fucking bawling her eyes out. Meanwhile, fucking. <laughs> Jason Momoa and amputee girl are having this like tender moment where they're like giving each other the fuck me eyes and the music is like this like really intimate song that's playing while this little girl is in the corner of the screen just crying eating the bunny so that is the bad batch and I was like all right wow like Uh. Pat like Colt said one star movie it's not that good. And basically, I was like, all right, surely there's more going on. Because we've also, we've seen, at least me, Pat, and Can have seen the director, uh, Anna Lily Amapur's other movie, uh, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. And even though that movie is boring as shit, it has some interesting things to say. It, it's, it, that movie is very well made, great soundtrack. It's very contemplative in its vacancy this just feels vacant just it's all style no substance and the theme of the movie just full stop is america bad you which see, is like i get it's like i get it like america does suck but there's that's like the level of uh that it doesn't break the surface from that it's just yeah you know america it kind of sucks, right? And it's like, is this it? Is this all you got? You want to elaborate? And I actually uh, came across an interview with the uh, director, Miss Amanpour, and and she's asked about you know this movie. This was her response: "We like living systems, man." We live in systems. 
That's that's her million dollar quote for the explanation for this movie. Yeah, and I'm sure she is a really smart lady. Like I'm not like trying to dunk on her a hundred percent, but I was just like, all right. So I'm not crazy when I think a lot of this movie is just kind of vacuous. All right, cool. One star movie. Uh, as Buck Wild as it is. A lot of the butt wildness I kind of enhance for dramatic effect. It's not as crazy as you think it was it's, about a post-apocalyptic dystopian cannibal love story. It's not worth watching. Don't watch it. No. Jim Carrey's <sighs> the best thing about the movie. Doesn't yeah, say he's God. the best thing, and I didn't realize it was realize it was him until you said it was him. Yeah, I like I didn't realize it until I was looking it up. And, 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 like, there's some things I can respect about this movie. Like, the acting is shite. But, like, the cam- the cinematography and the direction is it's really cool. And sort of, I want a, like, I want a better movie set in this world. Because the world is, like, super fucking cool. But nothing really is explained. And part of it's because it's very minimal dialogue. And the point of it is, I think she's trying to do mostly visual storytelling, which works for the most part, but there are other aspects to it where it's like, you are just not explaining stuff, and this is just not working. All sizzle, no steak. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't watch it. sounds fucking, like, atrocious. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good. Like, you know, there's movies you want to watch just to see how bad they are. Hearing him explain it, I don't even want to watch it. It's, it's kind of like how it was. With, what was that movie that, that got a lot of buzz the other day? Because the, um, the guy who directed it, the lead role, and produced it gave the movie a five-star rating on Letterboxd, and people found out about it. And I, and I was going to go watch it because, like, this sounds so butt-fuck crazy that this motherfucker wrote and filmed and started his own goddamn movie and then gave it a five stars on a review. And then when I saw the trailer, it was like, man, this is just like nothing. Like I could even, I could, I could even muster the energy after seeing it to like even watch a 90 minute movie about evil Uber drivers or something. Oh, that was some bullshit. I was like, you know what? Was it Guns Akimbo? No, it was, it was something. Cause something. there was some weird shit with that. Director. Yeah, that's some other bullshit. Uh, it was, it's essentially like this motherfucker. He's on. A, he's in an Uber. He's an Uber driver, but he gets a a customer uh, that's a, a killer, and he the guy like forces him to go to different places so he can kill people. Or Wait, shit. did this motherfucker steal the plot to Collateral? I don't know. It came out this year. Who knows? Probably. Colla- oh, that is literally Collateral with just a few things changed around. Yeah, it's just collateral with for 2020. Saying collateral, it was a hitman, which is essentially still a killer going around this looking guy's for. This sp- a serial killer. He's, he's not. He's not. He's doing it for the for the laughs, not for the bucks. Oh god, collateral is actually a good movie. Watch that one, not whatever the fuck you just brought up. Luckily, it would have been free on Tubi. <laughs> if y'all got Tubi and you got ninety minutes to piss, maybe check it out. Sure. But before we do that, watch just about anything else on our list today. I guarantee you, you probably have a better time watching that, even 
Maybe some of the clunkier ones. Well, maybe. Yeah. Like, with The Bad Batch, if you just gotta watch something from this movie, the first, like, 15 minutes, where this woman's covering herself in shit. That, as soon as she gets the skateboard, turn off the TV. As soon as she gets the skateboard, or <laughs> skip to the very end, where the girl is crying while she's having to eat her pet bunny. I like I said, I'm a sick fuck, so I thought that was fucking hilarious. That's a, that's a very unintentionally dark comedic moment. Oh yeah, and, and like I don't know about you, cult, but there were po- multiple points in this movie where I put it on 1.25 speed. I looked at my phone a lot. I'll say that. I, I was, was like, watching it on my phone, so oh, I couldn't. Escape. Oh, you were fucked. You were locked in. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn. So yeah, that's Keanu Reeves retrospective. So we we have a a very vast and varied body of work for you to enjoy. If you if you haven't got to get past with more of his more commercial roles, we have a very nice start, starting point for his underappreciated films. So uh, we thank you all for joining us today on this Keanu Reeves fest. We really do appreciate it. Be, uh, be sure to follow us online on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook and Letterboxd at All You Can Hear. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear and YouTube at All You Can Hear. You can, you can call us anytime, day or night at 205-523-4965. That's 205-LAD-4965. Be sure to like us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, iTunes, any RSS feed catcher, we're there. We're putting we're putting the word out. Just be sure to do us a favor and like, like, review, subscribe, and all those platforms. It really helps us out. Gets the show out there and keeps the show going. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost's name. And follow my art on Facebook at John Lost's name art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J O N I I B O I twenty four and Letterbox on John Johnson twelve. This has been Canon. You can find me at that Canon guy on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, pretty much everything. That Canon guy. It's been fun. Hi, my name's Colt. You can follow me on Twitter at Colt D zero zero. You can find me on Letterboxd at Colt D zero zero. I'm giving an update on how many movies I've seen this year. I'm at 149. I'm Holy oh, shit! Fuck! I've Cole definitely went into hundred movie challenge this year. I'm 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 in second. I'm only like hundred and sixteen. I've seen. I, I'm, I'm haven't broken. I haven't broken ninety yet. I'm counting how many I've seen. Uh, since I fucked up my back a month ago, and it's it's a lot. One, two, three, four. But I've seen around fifty movies in a month. It's been Roll nothing time. but me. I can't play video games because. I want to sit in a chair to play video games. I can't uh, sit at my computer. I, I, it's just me watching movies constantly and anime. Fuck. I'm so do glad I can do. finally sit up again. Thank you for listening. I'm Wenzel. You can follow me on Twitter at Wenzel Wilkie. You can follow my art Instagram at Water Wenzel. Uh, you can follow my letterbox, uh, Wenzel Wilkie or Wenzel. If you search up in either of those, I'll pop up. Um, you can follow me on Goodreads, uh, Wenzel Wilkie as well, or World of Wednesday. Uh, 
If you have a problem with that, you can go to my link tree, and all my links are on there as well. So, thank you. Yeah, problem that you can fucking deal with it. <laughs> fucking deal, bro. All right, thank you all again for listening today. Take care of yourselves. We'll be talking to you next week. Jesus time. Bye. 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 Jesus time.